Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., It's Thursday, and you know what that means. That means it's time to ignite the dynamite the day after the dynamite, right here on Day After Dynamite, and I am your Day After Dynamite host, Will Washington. Not alone here, though. I am joined by a man who just knocked his microphone over. <laughs> I was hoping <laughs> that you wouldn't actually <laughs> put attention to this. What are you doing, mate? What are you doing? But... He is WrestleTalk's own, one of the funniest men, I think, in this space. Definitely one of the funniest men from across the pond. He is Sa'i Nyangi. Cal, California! I think this is the first time this year this nickname's been picked up again, because you guys don't mention <laughs> it anymore. As a Grab City super fan here, like I, I, I listen to your show every week. Your three-hour podcast, like Godfather 1 and 2, but it's worth it. It gets me through my train journeys. <laughs> I often laugh to myself and I'm like, these brothers are just too much. But I am so proud of the success you guys have. Uh, you know, I've never met you guys in, in real life, but I feel like I know you guys because I listen to you guys every week and I, I hear your opinions. It's so balanced. It's so measured. It's so incredible. Three black brothers, different black brothers from different states. <laughs> Unite together to create a superpower, a nucleus, if you will, that has blown up, captured pop culture. There's been some hate. I've seen some hate. But don't. Listen, if you're getting hate, that means you're doing something great. If you have no haters, that means you're, you're dusty. 
you're a bum. No one cares about you. You've got six <laughs> followers. If you're getting hate with Washington, don't worry. People, they want to bask in your glory. They want to enhance and fill the story. Hi guys, I'm Sati. How's it going? <laughs> I can go for hours and people be like, get to dynamite, you piece of crap. <laughs> and we will get to dynamite. We got a lot to get to. Don't forget with this big day after dynamite that uh, we want to hear from you. We want to hear anything you've got to say. Send us your super chat. Send us your humper chats. YouTube.com slash fightful is the way to send us a humper chat. Or no, that's the way to send us a super chat. Oh, and check out the great Muda shirt right here. Yes. Of course, if you're yeah, listening of, via audio, this doesn't make any sense to you. But if you're watching, Gray Muda. Yeah, had his last match this week, so had to pay homage to the man himself. You can send us a super chat. Be like Uriel, who says, just throwing some, just, ah, can't speak today. Just, just showing some support. Sae is a riot. Thanks for all the content, gents. Can't wait for the next episode of Graps and After the Week, Will. Thank you. I appreciate that. <sighs> yeah, so funny thing. I actually just watched Dynamite. Uh, literally just finished it about an hour ago because I, last night, was at the Denver premiere of Cocaine Bear. And so, okay, Elizabeth Banks, what, how did she do? I tweeted a couple weeks ago about how, like, there's no love for stupid movies anymore. And, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's got to be like a solid Rotten Tomatoes. Like, if it doesn't have a solid score of Rotten Tomatoes, and I don't know what this movie's going to do. My guess is like 47. Um, but uh, I feel like. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people all came away from it like, hey, that was perfectly stupid. But I will say, coming out of that movie, I I saw it with uh, with my best friend. And we both came out of it with the, the same idea of, yeah, like, I didn't hate that. It was perfectly dumb. And, uh, like, it, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is literally about a bear who gets addicted to cocaine and goes on a cocaine-fueled rampage of people in the forest. Uh, Ray Liotta it's, wants it's, it's a slasher. Back. It's a slasher with a bear. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, but it's it's also a comedy. It's very, very much a comedy that uh, like doesn't take itself very seriously at all. There's a few deaths in there that are like fallout funny, for sure. Uh, but yeah, that's what I ended up seeing. The funny thing, too, is that the opening music of the movie, I kid you not, is Jane by Jefferson Starship. It is literally Orange Cassidy's music. Kicks it. It's the opening notes. I was almost like, like I was sitting in the theater waiting for it to start, and I actually like kind of had Dynamite halfway on, and I'm like, okay, I got to put my phone away. And then it's like movie starting, and sure enough, I'm like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> I literally turned off Dynamite, and here we have... Uh, Orange Cassidy's music here in the theater. So, what a coincidence! Do, do you have Letterboxd? Um, no, I feel what? like I should. As somebody who at one point used to be a movie reviewer, for those of you who've been following me long enough, movie watches, watch those movies. But um, it's yeah, I guess just at this point now, I'm like, I just see movies and they pass. No, dude, because I, I have Letterboxd. I just put all, all my ratings down. It, it's changed mm -hmm. how I watch films. I now review films like I'm Dave Meltzer. 
I'm like, ah, it's two and a half stars, uh, three stars, four stars. My partner's worse than me because I'll give a film a four. And she'll be like, no, four's too high. It's three and a half. And if I give a film a five, she's like, why is it a five? I'm like, it, it, it met the criteria of what I was looking for in the film. But she's like, if you're giving it a five, that means there's no room for improvement. <laughs> so she's that That's tough. So yeah, she's very much, mm-mm. And I'm like, the film's a five. Like X, the slasher film that came out last year, I gave it uh. a five. Pearl, I gave it four and a half. And then she felt like I kind of effed up because Pearl is seen as more superior film in terms of the quality of performance. But I was like, X was more of a slasher. Pearl's more... I don't have to explain it. You have to... You, you, have you seen Pearl yet? It's got uh, Mia Goff in it. You ever seen X? It's got Kid Cudi in it. It's a slasher film with Kid Cudi. Really? X. Yeah, X came out last year. Do you like yeah, no, I didn't. Massacre? Yeah, so that's the thing is... <laughs> I, I fell out of like horror and slashers for a long time, but people who, who know me and T know that that was a thing that we were huge into. T, of course, still hosts his podcast. He watches a scary movie. Um, like he and I once sat through an entire Saw marathon in the theater. They were they advertised one day. They were like, we're going to play all the Saw films back to back to back. You buy a ticket and you sit here all day. And we took the day off of work and went to the Saw marathon and sat through Saw movies. I actually got up for Saw 3 because I kind of hate Saw 3. But for the most part, I sat through all of those movies again. That's what we do. I don't know. That actually sounds really interesting. But got to watch X. Dude, it's basically it's a production of a porn film in a barn. So there you go. Kid Cardi's playing a porn star. Even get his um little tiny butt cheeks on camera. And it's got Britney Snow, who lets it all hang out in the film as well. And it's got what's her face who plays Wednesday Adams. Now I forget her name. Her name is guys who any of you watch Wednesday? She's in Gina the new Ortega? film. Yes, she's in it. She's in the film. Really? Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I... from Ty West, the director Ty West. He did. Uh, let me see. What is he known for doing? He did a film. I think Devil at the House or Devil at the Door. I'm trying to get the name of it. I'm trying to do you when you're trying to search for something. Uh, the House of the Devil, which came out in 2009. Have you seen The House of the Devil? Yeah, I remember House of the Devil. Yeah. So, so basically, X came out last year around January, February time, and Pearl is the prequel to that film. So the antagonist of the film, because Mia Goff plays both characters. She plays the old lady <laughs> prosthetic in uh, X, and she plays the younger version and also the protagonist in X and Pearl. So you got to check out, brother. After I speak to you on this, I'll message you like, check out X and Pearl. Uh, okay. All right. I will check out X. Hey, you know what time it is here in the show. Well, Washington. Thank you, Jeremy Lambert. How's How it going? <laughs> I am great. How are you, Jeremy? I'm well because I see your guest is Sat, who I love. I've done one show with him and he became my favorite person ever. <laughs> love him way more than SP3, who needs to get punched in the face. <laughs> I love you Sat. You can't be saying that. Jeremy, I love you too, brother. But you, you can't slander the good name of my big brother, SP, man. You can't be doing that. Oh, SP3 knows I love him as well. I know, I know. I know, I know you guys got a thing going on, but I still have to. Def- I defend brothers. That's what I do. I defend all my brothers I love. I respect so, yeah. that about you. I respect that. You know, you you will not even join in on my SP3 slander. You will defend him. And I respect that <laughs> instead of yes. jumping sides on him. No, I will never do that. I even confessed that he was my best co-host and he tagged Tempest. Like, like, <laughs> the, shit, like the shit story he is. <laughs> okay, Alex McCarthy, though. We can punch Alex McCarthy in the Nope, face, nope, right? can't do that either. Oh, he gave me my start. Come on, he, So, Will, I don't know if you know his backstory. So, I did a Tough Enough style video where I sprayed baby oil on my chest. He chose me over established names 
to do the show with him. So that gave me my breakout, you know, moment doing Wrestling Daily. So I can never slander the good name of Brother McCarthy. That's my bro. Oh, that's my worst enemy. I can't stand Alex McCarthy. He's the worst <laughs> person in the world. I would, I would tell him you said that. Is, is he still champion in your, your show thing? The debate show so. thing? Yeah, I think he's still the champion, unfortunately. I'll tell him when myself bring- that I said that. He knows. He knows that I can't stand him. When are we bringing back Pillar to Post, Will? When yeah, I when are we bringing back Pillar to Post? Find, find people who want to do it again, probably. <laughs> I mean, literally, I if you did too. show of hands right now, like you could probably find a good number of people who would return from pillar to post. Problem Maybe. is, them Jeremy podcasts are early on the weekdays, and uh, that's <laughs> you got to be things er- to do. I got things to do during the day. See, so full disclosure, I try to do them like early, and you're three hours behind me. So that that's another issue. Is like if I do it at like one, two hours. it's is it two? Um, mountain. What time, what time is it? there 121 okay it is two hours sorry so if i try to do it at like one it's like 11 for you which i guess is early you know my show start at 9 30 um but i try to do it during my work day so i don't have to spend my time listening to you know another drew mcintyre interview or something like that i'm like here let me let me let me not do that and let me do this instead that's why i play i go on twitch at like one o'clock uh, so I don't have to listen to a bunch of interviews all day. It's tiring. It's tiring listening to interviews. Maximizing your work day. Now, honestly, I, uh, I I get it because I do – look, my podcasts are all uh, early. I, I committed to when – I, when I left RBR, for example, one of the things I said was, God, I'm not doing any more evening podcasts. I'm not doing any more podcasts that have me like up late or have my wife saying, hey, come to bed. Done with that. Uh, and so I am at a point now where right here I'm doing day after dynamite. It's one twenty-two in the afternoon and I'll have the rest of my day after the show is over. Grapsity, I do Saturdays at 10 a.m. my time. Uh, and it's even worse for Reg, it's 9 a.m. But, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, even after the week I'm doing at 11 a.m. my time. Still got the rest of my day. As a matter of fact, I got to take my son to a birthday party this weekend at 1230. So that show's got oh wait no we're not starting at a normal time but yeah, it doesn't matter anyway i understand the early podcast but it's like during the weekday like jeremy will ask hey do you want to appear on this and i'm like i'm fixing my kids breakfast like what am i supposed to do it's uh, early yeah yeah fmc we do at like 6 30 your time as well uh, right <laughs> that's a very early show fmc but that's why we yes. get away with uh talking about eating out oranges and, and things like that on this show this is a real thing oh you got to watch the milf manor Will Washington, <laughs> you gotta watch the Milf Manor. Jeremy, uh, listen, I, I got Jarrett told me about Milf Manor last week. <laughs> is Jarrett How watching? Is Jarrett- yeah, he, oh. told, he got me onto the, he got me not got me onto the show, but he told me about it, and I'm like, so mums and sons willingly, you're willingly watching your mom get macked on by this pimple face, yeah. you know, twat. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, oh it's the worst, it's the worst but greatest show in the world. Will this is some Pornhub material. Yeah. you know sold on discovery <laughs> right they were, they, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on fmc if people want to check out this show this week they were teaching sex education right the moms were in there with the sons teaching sex education they had the fruits they had the bananas they had the oranges they had the body parts and everything they put the orange in in one of the body parts one of the dummies and the man was eh, all nope, in the orange nope. all in the body that, part 
and everything. That can never be me in front of my mother. Never. Never. <laughs> never. Never. That's what they were never. doing on this show. Never. Nope. Milf Manor. Everyone nope. watch. <laughs> yes. And also, everybody, I'm not going to say go watch uh, uh, Cocaine Bear, but I know that. Go watch people. Cocaine Bear. Don't be a prude, guys. You know no, you no, want to no, watch no, it. No. Uh, okay, what I am going to say is that is the reason that uh, you get like influencer type people 93 percent. all right clearly i <laughs> i was like all right it'll probably end up in the 40s but i figure if enough people walk away from it going eh, this is like perfectly stupid um it'll probably end up high like, the shit has a 93 percent on rotten tomatoes right now okay cool listen listen i have beef with rotten tomato they, they said after sun's a great film is the boring piece of shit i've ever seen in my life after Sun is award nominated, getting all this buzz, sight and sound called it like the best film of 2022. I was excited, but the first 20 minutes, nothing was happening. It's like watching someone's uh holiday video. Is that realistic? That's what they're going for, but it's a piece of crap. I spent more time playing with my daughter's set. That's how you know the film's boring. If you're finding your daughter's toys more entertaining, you're like, Oh, oh, let me help you build that. This is so nice. <laughs> After Sun, I got beef with it because everyone loves it but me. I have to say, I, so I recently finally saw um, Avatar Way of the Water, and uh, and so I liked it, but I have to say, as a three-hour movie, it's one of those movies that, so, okay, have you guys seen it, either of you? I've seen, I've seen Neva Avatar. Okay. Neva. So, of course... The, I'm the big boycotting plot. just out of principle on this point. The the big the the main plot of the movie, of course, is that in the first Avatar movie, and like you had 15 years to see the shit. Um, but uh, the in the first movie, it, they were the the Navi were the people who lived on Pandora, and they but you only got to know the Navi of the forest. Um, but it turns out that there's a whole there's different tribes of Navi, including hey, the movie's called Way of the Water. They're the water people. And so um, our main characters uh, basically have to flee their tribe and go live amongst the water people. And there's about an hour and some change of them learning the ways of water people. And this was one of those things where I realized, man, if this were an 80s movie, they would have just like played a popular song, done a montage of them, like starting out not okay and by the end of the song they're experts at this and then we move on but for whatever reason of course in in the modern age we have to tell the story over three hours that is one of those times where like i would have just taken that song by the weekend played it while uh <laughs> played it while they're like learning the ways of the water communicating with the underwater creatures and then by the end of it they know what they're doing now like that's literally ghostbusters ghostbusters if that movie came out today they would have spent a whole 90 minutes on that little montage you see of them like busting ghosts here left and right until they finally till the song's over and uh you get what i'm saying like you know the scene i'm talking about yeah. right we're like the interview by larry king all that shit a modern movie today would take all of that and just draw it out over an hour and a half but back then in the 80s in the 90s song montage bring back montages is what i'm saying here what they should so uh shot down spurs and then chad says bring back intermissions to long movies no Bring back short movies. If you can't tell this story <laughs> in 90 minutes, get out of here. I ain't got no time for you. If you can't tell Fast and Furious accepted, all about family. You can tell you can talk about family as long as you uh as long as you need to. Can't tell it in 90 minutes. I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see these yes. long movies. I'm tired of them. All right. Well, thank you, Jeremy. We got some dynamite stuff to talk about. Thank you, Sat, Good to see you, as good always. You, you know, Congratulations. Time, you got married. I think when I saw you, you were yet to wow. get married. 
Yeah, yeah. Yes. Congratulations, yeah. by the way. There's a ring on this finger now. Yes. She's lovely. She's the best. Uh, bye, Will Washington. Yes, Will, Will knows about that married life. See? I got the, no rings. Reason. That is the reason to... Uh, hey, also... like the Denver Nuggets over here. <laughs> but you know who does have a I'll ring? Go that. I'll go 2022 Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Last year for me, a ring and a ring, baby. Ring and a ring. That's how we, that's how we celebrated um i was gonna say something i don't remember what it was bye everybody have a good show bye. guys bye jeremy lombert jeremy lombert everybody all right so van twin blade always with the uh always with the updates and this one actually uh card update sunday uh tokyo joshi pro princess tag titles on the line um wasteland war party versus jody threat and blair onyx rohit is a coward and is scared of xavier walker so he's having karam face xavier the premier two clowns from kc will fight pme at from aiw always appreciate updates glory pro updates from van twinblade we also he's a got he's a reoccurring character on grap city because it's always every week you get van twinblade with an update <laughs> yeah <laughs> always uh one sweet chris says i think i'm gonna watch dynamite again after revolution the build has been mid last night's announcement was underwhelming and now we got Jarrett going for the tag titles uh let's talk about the announcement Okay. Uh, as soon as I read these um, other super chats, I want to make sure I get everybody's uh, super chats and nobody gets to miss anything. That opening promo is why Sat is cool. Blessings. Uh, we also got Jennifer says, so happy to see three of my favorite faces. That obviously refers to seven minutes ago when uh, Jeremy was still here or talking about uh, Great Muda's face there. Uh, David Reed says, everyone is thinking FTR winning Casino Royale next week, but what about Sting and Darby? Give Sting a brief run as tag champs before retiring. I'll give my reasons on that. I, uh, I could see it, except um, I don't know if Darby's going to be back in time. I mean, maybe he is, but I know that... I feel like with Jarrett and Lethal winning, to me, I look at it as there were two major tag programs that came out of full gear it was jared and lethal versus the acclaimed and there was ftr versus the guns and i think if you're going to do the four-way and i wasn't think i i hadn't even considered that jared and uh jay lethal were going to win it but once they did then it hit me that oh are we combining those two feuds into one going into revolution is it the two big tag feuds that came out of uh that came out of full gear and we do ftr and the guns and we get the acclaimed versus uh jared and lethal all is one thing and that's why i can consider it being that's why i think it's going to be ftr um shy town spurs says bring intermissions back to long movies yep we just said that uh van twinblade says cocaine bear looks like the dumbest movie and is going to be a violent uh or going to be a masterpiece like violent night dumb as hell um again like i said it was perfectly stupid um but i think in a good way like i came away from it thinking and i had fun with that that was great uh it's the let's see Corey says outside the maniacs online this is one of my favorite stretches of AEW so far can't believe wb gave TK a third show just as he's going out of business. Um, all right, let, let's talk about third show. Yeah. I mean, technically, third show existed already 
because some people may have forgotten that Roads to the Top got renewed for a second season. That was already announced before Cody left. And so there was kind of this renewal of Roads to the Top that they've been sitting on for a while, where it was like, well, we have Roads to the Top, but without the Roads. Mm. Um, and to me, as somebody who watched Roads to the Top uh, last year, I watched it when it aired. I didn't love the show, but I didn't hate it. And the things that I uh, didn't like about the show typically involved things with Cody and Brandy at home. But I felt like the stuff that I was really into was when they gave us, ready for it, all access. When they gave us the behind the scenes look at things. I thought that like, you know, them recording Ricky Starks finding out about his neck and that he was going to still remain on screen as part of Team Taz. Um, and little things like Cody's conversation with Tony Khan about wanting to step away. Like all of that stuff. Uh, and even, I, thought, I think there's uh, ways where this probably wasn't the right show to air like immediately after Dynamite because a good example of that was, I remember they did that episode of Dynamite that aired on a Saturday and it was it was from Orlando and uh, the main event was Cody versus um, uh, Malachi. And that was the match where Cody pulled out the shovel and then he beat Malachi. Where That was the third match where he finally won on the feud. And... Right after they played an episode of Roads to the Top. And the episode of Roads to the Top they played centered around the first Cody versus Malachi match. And right. it showed them talking about the match. And you just showed them fighting on TV. And so I remember, I remember getting super annoyed that you literally pulled the curtain back. I don't mind pulling the curtain back so much in pro wrestling. We know pro wrestling is not real. But I mind it relative to the show i don't need to see cody talking to malachi black about their program literally after i just watched the match featuring cody versus malachi black but either way um but that was some of the stuff even seeing that if i could see it uh, kind of in its uh on its own and in a vacuum i actually did like seeing them talking to each other malachi you know after squashing cody coming up to cody thanking him for that and all of that that was cool stuff to see and I realized the things I cared about most from Roads to the Top were the things that involved the wrestlers and the things that involved the wrestling, the stuff that kind of just pulled the curtain back, talked about some of the frustrations around uh, happenings on the show and just how the matches went, things about things of that nature. And yeah, I, thought, I, enjoyed it. I I watched some episode as well. I watched when mm -hmm. Shotty Lee and Julia went to Cody like he's the dad, like, oh, we're, we're, we're dating now. And then he's right. like, oh, good for you guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great stuff. Yeah. And so I thought that uh, if you were going to continue the show without Cody, you can. Because honestly, the stuff that didn't exist or the stuff that existed without Cody was to me the most entertaining stuff on the show. And that feels like exactly what this is, is look, Roads to the Top did get renewed for a season two. There's no Cody anymore. There's no Brandy anymore. They took a year to retool the show. They made it AEW All Access. They even brought, uh, mentioned Roads to the Top as their first reality project in the, uh, in the press release. Right. And so... Of course, talking about the press release, let me just go ahead and pull that up. Let's just go into my emails because, folks, I am press, so I get sent this stuff. But I was sitting in, um, I was sitting in Cocaine Bear when it came, and I'm like, 
Uh, don't open that. That's just rude. Um, <laughs> but so it talks about, it says TBS is greenlit. It's first unscripted series of 2023. It's first. Ooh. Um, further expanding its all elite wrestling franchise with AEW all access, a follow doc from the perspectives of the league's biggest stars. The new series, which was just announced during a, another red hot episode of TBS's AEW Dynamite is slated to premiere this March. Uh, billed as the ultimate behind the scenes experience for fans, the series will feature Adam Cole, Dr. Britt Baker, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti, the Young Bucks, which I thought was interesting because the Young Bucks were adamantly against being featured in Roads to the Top, so much so that their faces are blurred in that show just when they walk by in the background. And so uh, I am curious mm. that that was, um, you know, that fueled a lot of the, the speculation around what was going on with Cody and the Bucks at the time because yeah. here Cody's filming this reality show that cannot feature the young bucks for some reason they literally walk by in the background of an episode and you just see a sensor over their face why is that i don't know hmm. um and but they're going to be featured in the show soraya wardlow and eddie kingston along with tony khan uh what forget tony where's jade cargill like, yes <laughs> what that's like a no-brainer it's like she she's she was great. Uh, SB3 put in the comments. Shout out to bro SB3 in the comments. The 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 beef between uh, Jade and um, and Red Velvet that was one of the yeah. my highlights. That was one of the highlights. That's the stuff yeah. I wanted to see more of. Of like, yeah. oh, you slapped her too hard. Holy hell! Yeah. Like, okay, now y'all gotta square this up. Um, and also this, there's a few things. One, uh, the. It, it, there's a lot that's explained, right? Like, uh, Sammy Guevara, of course, quit doing the vlog on the regular. Now we know why. <laughs> like, he stopped doing it right around the time this started filming, which was back in November. And so now it kind of makes sense that, of course, Sammy Guevara, if he was being filmed by TNT or TBS, couldn't do his vlog anymore because it wouldn't necessarily make sense. Uh, but yeah, I, I would have wanted to see a few more people on here it feels like they really wanted to focus on some of the relationships in the company like clearly it centers around adam cole and Britt baker uh, adam cole of course appeared on dynamite to talk about the show is really gonna um have his recovery as a, a big story arc of of the show um obviously sammy guevara and ty conti are the bigger relationship of the or one of the bigger relationships in the company so they'll be featured yeah it's it's all it should be interesting. You know what I do find interesting about all of this, though? What, what, what is it? I feel like it's in the wrong spot. When I think of content like this, uh, I, you know, because I think about how Total Divas was able to kind of open mm. a, a whole new avenue to people who weren't necessarily exposed to pro wrestling, but didn't... Uh, didn't but we're into reality tv and so it, it there's a lot of people i i tell the story all the time of the time i sat next to somebody at a wwe house show one time and eva marie had wrestled and they were like oh hey it's natalie and i'm like who the fuck are you talking about i had never seen uh an episode of total diva so i'm like i'm like you mean natalia like what are you talking about and she's like natalie and uh i thought hmm and this person 
didn't watch WWE TV. They only watched Total Divas, but they got tickets to this WWE show and were like, I'm going to go watch this thing I see. Uh, they're like, I want to see the fallout of the stuff I see on Total Divas. So like, there's an audience for reality TV, obviously. And it could be a big... Um, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. But the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Entry point to pro wrestling. And we've seen it in the past. So to me... I think it's interesting that Warner Brothers Discovery owns the number one reality TV network on the planet in TLC. And uh, and so to me, thinking about, I would throw this show on TLC instead of TBS. To me, it makes more sense to put this show in a place where people who watch reality TV can kind of get their eyes on pro wrestling and less about trying to get pro wrestling fans to watch reality TV. I think that's probably a, a bigger ask. But I, I don't know. I agree. It's kind of like when they put Total Divas on Eve, and Eve was notoriously known for, you know, celebrity stuff, the Kardashians, right. you know, hello. So I, I get what you're saying. They should have done that. And it is maybe it's because the deal they had with TBS, they have to mm -hmm. honor it, and that's where we get all access. But, yeah, I'm with you 100%. It's like if TLC is owned by <laughs> Warner Brothers, then why not do it there? Yeah, uh, I, I uh, so that that's my thinking. And like, because uh, Corey says that it makes more sense, but so far I haven't seen a lot of cohesion out of this merger company yet. But that's not true because you've seen BattleBots. That's a Discovery show that's been airing on TBS. The reruns air on TBS. So I'm hoping that um, at least do some reruns on TLC. I think that to me that makes the most sense to get a lot out of the reality audience. And maybe that was something that was a goal of theirs, but uh, uh, I, I would hope that that cohesion. And I'm pretty sure that the, um, uh, what is her name? Um, why am I drawing a blank on the head of TBS? She runs both networks. Um, Kathleen Finch, there it is. I don't know why, that, <laughs> I was literally about to type it in and then there was Kathleen Finch. But anyway, uh, she's she runs, the entire cable division and so she oversees both so maybe there is obviously some method to the madness and i'm hoping to see what that is 
Uh, but we we shall see. That well, was a lo- the big announcement. That was a big announcement. And also there's a lot of uproar over the announcement. And then it, it, it is quite interesting. I just want to get what your opinion is on the, on the uproar. <laughs> so I pointed out last week that there was something different about the wording. When they said Tony Khan has an important announcement and it was said in such passing, it wasn't like uh, Excalibur like stopped the show like they would normally do and put a graphic on the screen and said, Tony Khan has a major announcement next week. Literally, it was in the middle of the Rampage main event. It pops up in the corner over two seconds and it just, uh, Excalibur goes, Tony Khan has an important announcement next week. Also, we've got John Moxley versus Evil Uno. And so to me, I thought something feels different about that. I don't think this is that type of announcement that we've gotten before where they're like tony khan has a huge announcement hey keith lee shows up tony khan has a huge announcement oh we're announcing forbidden door right like things along those lines this didn't feel like that this felt like they just dropped it in the corner of rampage and moved on and i even said because i saw a lot of people speculating that it was a um, response to the rating of last week's dynamite which i disagreed with because i was like no, because that didn't feel like it was inserted. And you can tell when Excalibur is recording shit from home and when he's saying, like when he's being authentic and genuine. And I can't, until, until you said it, until you said it, I'm like, <laughs> how does we'll pick that up? I'm like, Excalibur, like, sounds like Excalibur, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, he's doing it from home or wherever in the post. I'm like, how the heck does he, how his, do you know? His, <laughs> you his know. energy's different. Like, and, and I could, I know that because personally when i'm on a podcast with somebody and i'm talking directly to somebody i have a different energy than when i'm sitting by myself and i'm recording something just on my own there's a whole different energy to it and you can tell when like excalibur is in the zone talking with taz by his side talking with tony Schiavone by his side and when he's just like in his room like tony sent him a text saying hey i need you to re-record this he's like okay Uh, but you you just have a different energy about it. And I felt like that line didn't seem like it was inserted. And so to me, um, and maybe I was wrong, but I I thought the wording was different. I was and I tweeted that. I was like, they've never called in an important announcement. That to me feels more company related than something related to the show itself. Um now there was speculation around Forbidden Door too, because uh Spectrum Cable uh dropped in their pay-per-view schedule uh that forbidden door 2 does have a date it looks like it's going to be june 24th uh 2023 and uh who knows what's going to be happening there i i'm gonna say mercedes monet mercedes monet mercedes monet i mean i don't think you can't have her there right like unless they do something screwy like change the IWGP Women's Championship immediate, like a week beforehand. So they're like, hey, we don't have her because she's not the champion. Um, I don't know how you can do Forbidden Door 2 without her. So I my feel like question, she has to. Mm-hmm. My question will be who will be women's champion, AEW women's champion going in for Forbidden Door 2. That's my my question right there. It depends on when the UK shows are because I feel like you can't have the UK shows happen without Jamie Hayter as if she's not the champion she needs to be the challenger and uh like if there's one of two ways i would handle jamie uh going into forbidden door it would either be and not forbidden door going into the uk shows i would either take the title off of her like two months beforehand and 
have her in the chase so that way you could have her main event and win the title back in front of home country fans from Britt that, baker you have it yeah. Britt baker's in that weird adam cole tweener nxt role where kyle riley is trying to recruit uh, finn Balor in the group but you know that eventually she's gonna you know snap out of this nice rose that she's in and i mean that's Britt baker at the moment I, I'm, I'm watching we're gonna get into the show but i'm watching her friend give a title yeah. shot to someone else when she's yet to receive a shot herself yeah, I, I, I'm i waiting on her to snap too. Right. I wonder what that's going to be. Chris Raines, by the way, says, uh, while Warner Brothers Discovery is cutting everything, the fact that they are creating a new AEW show uh, shows just how strong their belief in AEW is. Somewhat. Um, I think you also have to consider for Warner Brothers Discovery, yes, they're cutting everything, but they can't not produce something. Um, like at the end of the day, if they cancel everything, they're officially nothing. They don't have any shows coming out. AEW programming relative to Warner Brothers Discovery's bottom line is cheap. It's very cheap programming. Even if they got, I think it was a four times increase on their, uh, TV deal, they'd still be some of the cheapest programming Warner Brothers Discovery has. And it's cheap original programming. And so for them, they want as much original programming that cost them as little as possible so like for us wrestling fans this is great uh because at the end of the day wwe is cheap like i know i i it, it could sound like i'm insulting aew when i say that but wwe is cheap programming uh i know that when it it said that hey you know they've got these billion dollar deals with peacock they got billion dollar deals with fox and usa network but that's for 52 weeks of programming when you calculate the cost per hour of that that's dirt cheap that is cheap compared to what you get out of full-on scripted programming that's cheap compared to what you get out of the nba or the nfl and so there's a reason why wrestling is attractive to these networks because if you can pull in an audience if you can get advertisers and you can do it for as cheap as wrestling is allowing it to be done and it's 52 weeks of original programming go for it and so for them they're gonna get as much out of aew as they can because it fuels AEW, but also it and it's licensed content. That's the other thing is that uh, you're not on the hook for the talent roster the way you are for, say, The Flash, a movie that's costing them millions upon millions of dollars. Oh. And you're on the hook for every actor in that movie. Tony's on the Ezra hook for Miller should be in prison <laughs> reportedly or allegedly. Yes. But meanwhile... Tony Khan is on the hook for all of the talent contracts. The only thing that Warner Brothers Discovery is on the hook for is the show. So uh, I don't. I think that with them cutting costs, they're not going to cut everything. They have to have some kind of content at some point. Um, it's just a matter of how cheaply can they do it. AEW allows them to do it cheaply. Reggie Simmons says, I thought the announcement was aptly labeled as important. This is great news for AEW. It creates a great entry point for new fans. Um, and again, I think that depends on where it airs. Uh, but I think it's great for the fans that exist. Um, as far as the backlash to it is concerned, this is what I will say, Sat. Yes, sir. Has there been an AEW announcement that after it happened, after it was hyped for a week, and this one wasn't hyped for a week, this one was mentioned on Rampage and then uh, dropped a couple of times on social media, but there was never like a... Uh, a big, I feel like this one was kind of inflated by fans more than anything else. But 
Has there ever been a major announcement that didn't have some kind of backlash? I think about Christian Cage. I love Christian Cage. Are you kidding me? I me me I am one of the, the Christian greater than Edge guys. I think the Chad Christian memes are the funniest thing out there because they're very true. Um, somebody sent me a picture this week of Edge looking like Father Time on Raw this week. And meanwhile, Christian in his suit, like he said, put them side by side, Christian in his suit uh, coming out and attacking Jungle Boy. And I thought, actually, this is about right. I love Christian. But I know that not everybody does, that a lot of people view him as the Marty Jannetty of that team, even who, though... Who, no, 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 but who, who, who does, like, whoever thinks that we need to have a conversation, like you Absolutely. said yourself, Christian Cage in 2005, I, I, don't, I don't like watching 2005 WWE because you see the gradual, the grand swell fan appreciation for the guy. The man I should have uh, faced John Cena at SummerSlam 2005. Yeah, he should, yeah at SummerSlam, definitely. At SummerSlam, yes. he should have had the title match. Why did Jericho get the spot? You know, one day we need to talk about that because I hate that period because Jericho, <laughs> I mean, Christian was over. Tyson Tonko, him, that energy, that music, not that crappy music he had when he came back. That right. music, that, that, that music. waterproof blonde. <laughs> No, it's when hitting. those those strings hit, the crowd goes nuts. Like the week before the draft, <sighs> when he comes out and calls out right. Cena. Yes. Um, and it's almost like WWE, like, in a backwards way, listen to the fans, right? Because there was this, I remember in 05, there was this big push that was like, send Christian to SmackDown, send Christian to SmackDown. Mm. But the reason that that existed was because people wanted to see Christian versus Cena so bad. And it was like, okay, you got to draft Christian to SmackDown. And then... Oh, even better. SmackDown came to us. And like when Cena got drafted to Raw, there was immediately this feeling of, are we getting the Christian match? And then, you know, Cena comes out, he cuts his uh, promo and all of that. And then uh, he does, do you want some? Come get some. Christian's music hits. Everybody's going nuts because we realize the moment is in front of us. Christian versus Cena. Here we go. You've been hinting at this for months, going back to the Royal Rumble when they had that confrontation. Christian um, picks the number, all of that. Uh, Christian cutting the rapid backlash and calling John Cena, Corey Haim, all of that stuff. Uh, And he had been calling out Cena for so long, we got this confrontation. And then you drafted Christian to SmackDown after you drafted Cena to Raw. The only reason people wanted Christian on SmackDown was because they wanted the Cena match. And then we got the confrontation. They did the triple threat at Vengeance. And then they drafted Christian. And I remember feeling like, no, 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 you're doing this wrong. No, now is not the time for Christian on SmackDown. Christian should be on Raw with John Cena. What are you doing? And the funny thing was, what was the reason that uh, we were given from the reporters at the time they said that well they found out chris jericho was leaving the company at the time and so they wanted to give him an exit storyline so they put him with cena but christian left a month later so you lost both <laughs> right <laughs> so oh, they put him on smackdown let him feud with booker t oh jbl faced batista at SummerSlam when it could have been christian versus batista and then put the title on christian then you would have had a great run that run he had in tna that could have been mm-hmm. on wwe going to 2006 so many things they, they, happened, oh they blew like... so much there especially because i remember feeling like like the rise of christian felt so special at that time period because um as as a you know i was a teenager through the attitude era and one thing that that period felt like it was giving us was the rise of the Attitude Era's mid-card. That all mm. of a sudden we were seeing these guys who 
were under The Rock, under Austin, under uh, Triple H, all of those guys starting to rise. We were seeing Edge rise. We saw Benoit Guerrero. We saw those guys get their rises. And Christian felt like one of them. He felt like one of those guys that was a middle-tier guy just a few years ago. But now he's going to get his due in the same way that um, The Rock and hunter were underneath like it, it felt like like in 98 right it's like yeah it, they yeah the way that those guys were underneath in 96 97 and they got to rise and now we were seeing the underneath guys from their era rise and then for whatever reason it just felt like wwe was like nah actually we got some guys we need to leapfrog them so actually they're gonna get the spot they're gonna get the spot it, it, it felt it felt weird i didn't like it anyway though talking about uh <laughs> Uh, talking about the the announcement thing, I don't know. I just always feel like there's never an announcement made to me that doesn't have some sort of negative reaction. I know that even like I remember Forbidden Door last year had uh, a lot of negativity around it. Um, a lot of people saying, "Well, who even knows who any of those guys are?" Oh, this is just for the hardcores. <laughs> like I remember all of that stuff at the time. Um, Dungeon Master of Puppets says, I just started watching, but I'm glad to see Sat E Day has come early. Yeah, it's a running joke because I always do uh, Wrestle Talk on Saturdays. So Sat E Day on Saturday. But today's Thursday. Today's Thursday is a new Sat E Day. I love Thursdays. I love this show. Uh, Really, the thing I love about. (laughs) It's not Thursdays. To me, it's, I call it Friday Eve. It's the Eve of Friday. That's what, you know, when when the day comes, you'll say this. Friday's tomorrow. Kind of like Christmas Eve. It's like, Christmas is tomorrow. You don't care about the actual day. You care about the next day. So Friday Eve, as you say, my brother. Hey, no, honestly, the thing I've come to love about this show specifically is, um, you know, I obviously people love Grapsity and I love Grapsity. I love getting to talk with Phil and Reg. Look, me and Phil and Reg talk every day. Um, And so getting to get together on the show and basically bring those thoughts that our group chat has been expressing all week. Um, getting to talk with him is always good. I talk to Denise Salcedo every single day. And so us doing after the week is always fun. But the thing I love about this show is that I love having conversations with different people every week and sit that, that seat that's directly to my stage right here. Um, or I guess it's stage left. It's on the right of the screen, but getting to talk with somebody different every single week and, uh, it's always people that I'm a fan of whose content that I always appreciate and getting to have them here with me is always a good thing. So I, I love Day After Dynamite for that very reason, getting to talk Dynamite with different people every single week. As uh, Jeremy calls it, it's the forbidden door of Fightful, and it will continue to be. By the way, if you don't check out Sat's content, definitely do so because... I'm on Wrestle Talk, guys. Just take just check out Wrestle Talk. But yeah, I appreciate Will inviting me to do this, man. I feel very lucky, and because I, I respect your opinion very, very much when it comes to wrestling, I appreciate that you and the rest of Grab City guys, you don't, you know, go into hyperbole about oh, this is terrible. You have measured conversation. That's what we need more of. <laughs> People forget that we're human beings. People like with the Twitter thing is are quick to throw jabs at each other when it's like let's have a respectful debate. Let's let's keep it friendly. Let's you know not you know chuck your pram. No, and honestly, you know, it's the thing that I've been saying for a couple of years and, and Phil is very much on lately, which is uh, I'm, I'm really big on. I don't have a problem with anybody. I mean, if you're like a, an asshole, I usually just have you on mute. Um, but for the most part, I try not to have problems with anybody. I always say I don't beef with people. I beef with takes um, because at the end of the day, 
I like to keep it just about the thing we're talking about. Like, mm -hmm. I'm never going to be that person to be like, uh, if somebody says, hey, uh, that match you liked was bad. I'm not going to be like, well, you're ugly. Like, but I feel like that's something people do <laughs> on, on Twitter all the time, right? Where they're like, well, I don't like your opinion. So therefore, I'm going to make this about you. And I think, how did we lose sight of the thing we were even talking about? Because at the end of the day, you know, I I think it's interesting because, yeah, I you look at my mentions and uh, from time to time, if I say something positive about AEW, uh, and for the most part, you know, when I'm tweeting, when I'm live tweeting stuff, I usually just tweet about the stuff I'm enjoying. And if I'm not enjoying something, I'll usually not say anything. But then, of course, the anti-AEW people will make this about me. And I think, like, one... Oh. What does this have to do with anything? And two, uh, shut up. Like, go away. This is, <laughs> I, I, if you don't have anything to say about the actual thing I'm talking about, you're not going to get responded to. And, like, I just let it go and not deal with it. Why well, for me, for me, the closest I ever came to in terms of a disagreement was when I said that Cody should be the one to face Roman Reigns. I know it's a completely different show, but I did have a people saying Sammy should be the one. And then I explained my reasons why. And when someone trying to differ my opinion, I'm like, I'm not going to respond to you because it's almost like teach me why, why you see things differently from me. Like I put my opinion there. I left it there. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to get into a debate. That's like <laughs> going into a sinkhole. I'm, that's not me. I'm not about that life. I See, I, I, love, yeah. I love these debate as long as we keep it about what we're talking about. But the second that you start throwing personal shots, then I'm out. Uh, um, it, it gets tiring. For example, you eloquently explain stuff on your Twitter. So it's like, <laughs> what else have you missed in the words? Like, <laughs> right. in that space? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's why, you know, bless you for actually having time to respond. But I was like, he said what he said. Mm -hmm. What else can he say? There's no other way for you to rephrase a tweet Without right. someone, you know what I'm saying? If you don't understand it, you don't understand it. That means that tweet's not for you. That's why I see it. When I tweet something and someone disagrees, I respect that they disagree, but I'm not going to get into a debate. I'm like, listen, agree to disagree because I'm not going to teach you my, my thought process into how I got there. I'm a mansplaining stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lord Zypher, by the way, says, I find it impossible to believe Hobbs will not be on the Revolution card. What do you think the chances the face of the Revolution mat ladder match gets added and Hobbs is the Joker? I don't think they ever do the Joker in the face of the ladder or face of the Revolution ladder match. I think that's usually just because everybody's in the ring at once. Um, so, but I mean, two years in a row they've done it. I don't see why they don't do it a third uh, to see who gets the shot at Wardlow or Samoa Joe, depending on who walks out of that match. Um, Alexis Ramirez says, Christian greater than Edge. I mean, I've always thought so. Uh, I, I I agree as well. Like, yeah, Christian, <laughs> Christian's that guy. Give him yeah. anything, he makes it work. Crybaby gimmick, makes it work. Make him a junior rock, he makes it work. Him and, <laughs> him and Trish, he makes I it work. I tend to forget that where the peeps came from was him being junior rock, like... Him, the pep, the pep, they, they're gonna rename him or something. I, I, I have to go back. There was a rumor, right? right. They're gonna rename but, him. But the thing was, that yeah, Rock had dubbed him the new people's champ, or yeah. not even dubbed him, but he said he was the new people's champ. And he's like, I'm doing yeah. this for my peeps. And all of a sudden, he has peeps, but it was literally him being the junior Rock. He was uh. the people's champ. Uh, let's see. Ricardo says, I was there. It ruled. Crowd was right, white hot. How did we come across? I thought Phoenix, Arizona came across quite well that is a great arena mm. um 
they were able to do some great wide shots because I think the show had done um, well over 7,000 fans. And uh, that was obviously enough to really be able to, to fill that entire lower bowl. Um, I thought it all sounded great. And we can even talk about where the sounds all came from because the opening match saw Orange Cassidy defending the All-Atlantic Championship against Wheeler, Utah. You know what I appreciated here, Seth? What did you appreciate, my friend? I know that they know that a lot of what's taken place between Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Yuta to get us to this point um, has probably lost on a lot of people. And mm. I did appreciate, as somebody who knew, remembered, and saw all of that content, uh, as they showed us in Orange Cassidy's entrance, I appreciated all of that. I thought they, they were showing content from 2021 of Wheeler Yuta first being brought in as part of Best Friends, all of that stuff. And just showing us that as a reminder before then during Wheeler's entrance, showing us that Wheeler Yuta, uh, you know, the promo that he had with Orange Cassidy on Rampage this week. Cause I know, I know we tend to harp on over explaining things uh, to fans, but I don't like to look at it from that perspective. Sometimes, as a fan who just remembers all this stuff, I like being reminded of things. I like being like, oh, yeah, that was cool. Uh, oh, yeah, you're showing us that? That's cool, too. Like, I don't, it's not so much that I'm looking at it from the perspective of a, uh, a casual viewer who may not know, but as somebody who just does know, I like reminders. I like being shown stuff. And as a matter of fact, that's the stuff I hate. I hate when continuity is broken. I hate when, uh, you're avoiding things when you're avoiding things that you could be bringing up where it makes more sense. You know, I, I think I harp on on this show was QT Marshall's relationship with the bunny. And then like a couple months later, he's talking about his wife and kids. Married. And, I, yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> but you just had a story. Don't do that because I like content being referred back to. That's what this is all about. And so, I said all that to say that I enjoyed this entrance. But more Me than too. enjoying the entrance, I enjoyed this match. What did you think of this match, Sat Yangi? Well, sir, um, I agree with you in terms of the entrance. I, I wrote down in my notes that I loved it, how they recapped everything as they were coming down the ring. It was a great spot to do it as well. You know, you, you got both men coming down, and then you had the whole video recapping the promos and then the history. But in terms of the match, I wrote down the AA, that's what I'm calling it, the AA title is the workhorse title thanks to OC. This match slapped. You talk about will washington's definition of storytelling which is in the rig right the uh -huh. seat belt and then you had the rat trap the mouse trap then you got claudio smacking the crap out of wheeler he's like stop doing the best friend style wrestling go do some bcc style wrestling and how he turned it around and he became more <laughs> so aggressive rich. in the ring and then i love also the storyline thread throughout the show is how the blackpool combat club are leaning towards the tweener slash hildum yeah you know, they really are episode mm. But I enjoyed the match. And I feel like Orange Cassidy is like the best champion the company has. Because the reason why I say that is you never say, where's Orange Cassidy going to be for Revolution? You never really think about that because he just wrestles. He's like, my guy's got his belt in his backpack, putting on great shows every single week. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. No, honestly, um, 
I don't know what he's got going on for Revolution, but after this, after this was over, I want Claudio. I came out of this going, you know what? I've always said, Claudio's whole career, Claudio works best with smaller guys. Um, that was a thing he excelled at in Shikara. That is a thing that he excelled at as uh, Cesaro. That is a thing that he just continues to excel at because when you put him in the ring with a smaller guy, he can just work around them and they work around him and it creates just this incredible dynamic. That's what I came out of this wanting. Uh, I, all I saw was Claudio disgusted with OC style. Absolutely give me Claudio Castagnoli versus Orange Cassidy at Revolution. But who wins though? Who wins? That's the hard thing because he's RH champion. And you don't want RH champion to lose. To yeah, AA champion. that's a, that's a tough one. Um, yes, you see what I mean? It's quite yeah. hard because I, I feel like it would be a great feather in Orange Cassidy's cap to beat Claudio. But then again, you, you're trying to do the honor club thing. You can't have optics is a thing, right? Optics would be like this guy job to the comedy guide. He ruined the title. He's the worst champion ever. <sighs> You like, see the tweets already? Yeah, no, you know, I know. The hard thing for me is, see, this is where I would do the Tony Khan cop out because I will look at it as, hey, I have a mechanism that no other company has. I got time limits. I would make them go full 20 and back out. I'd go, hey, it's a draw. We don't know who the winner is. Oh, well. Uh, let them guys bang it out for... 20 minutes. What I uh, want to see is the swing in Orange Cassidy's hands in his pocket as it's happening. Let's do that. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Doug, there's so much you can do there. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I thought this match um, is is was really good. I think that Orange Cassidy reminds us very often that this guy is a technical marvel. I think mm. that it's, it's more than just having the character work in his matches. But the guy is technically sound. And the way that he's in there with Yuta and they are exchanging. Um, but he incorporates his character into his technical ability so well that I think he's just not appreciated enough as a wrestler. Nope. And I say this as somebody who appreciates him. I tweeted earlier today. I said, so yeah, at this point, I just assume that anyone who doesn't acknowledge Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy as a top-tier talent doesn't know what they're talking about. What nope. an opening match. They don't. Um, I got a DM from a WWE wrestler who agreed with that. And so just know that when you feel like, um, when you get in those modes of AEW versus WWE and things along yeah. those lines, and uh, and you kind of get into the Jim Cornettes of the world who are like, oh, look at Pockets in there. He's a disgrace to this business. Pockets, Pockets, Pockets. Just know that the wrestlers don't see it that way. And that the wrestlers can see what Orange Cassidy brings to the table. And that he is a guy that everybody should want to get in there with. You see how hot this crowd was behind him. Um, yes. He was the perfect guy to open up this show. That's why I knew the crowd was great as well. Because there, there's been some weeks when Orange Cassidy's intro hits. And when the song starts and the light comes on, you hear tepid reaction. There's some weeks when I've, I've, uh -huh. I got worried that the Orange Cassidy act wasn't as over as it used to be. But... Listen. Last week is a good example of that. Yes. Last week, Laredo, Texas didn't give him that. But uh, this week, Phoenix gave they, him everything. Yeah. For me, his entrance is the litmus test of the crowd for me. So when his uh -huh. song starts, and if you hear more music than crowd, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> uh -huh. no, and this was great. I thought he was really good here. I think that. But Wheeler also. 
let me give Orange Cassidy just a couple more props, and then I will give it to Wheeler. But yeah. Orange Cassidy being, I think Orange Cassidy is a world-class seller, and I think that that's the thing he does not get enough credit for, that um, he makes things look painful, and he holds on to them throughout the matches. I think that that is a thing that is underappreciated from Orange Cassidy as well. Phenomenal seller. I think he's an excellent professional wrestler. Um, Wheeler Yuta, though, is also an excellent professional wrestler. Duh. But uh, as you mentioned, the story of him working best friend style, realizing, I mean, and then uh, Claudio giving him grief for that and him turning it around and going into his more Blackpool Combat Club style was great stuff. And the way he was able to switch that up in the match, the way that they were able to play off of each other. And yeah, you mentioned him having a little bit of a, a tweenerness to him. I mean, the crowd from the beginning, Wheeler's music hits, they're booing him. And they want Orange Cassidy. Good. I want to see Blackpool Combat Club kind of working a little bit of this tweener side. John Moxley very much was. I thought, um, we'll talk about weeks, it later on, but weeks. that man, yeah, that man, uh, he had Evil Uno in there like a squeeze it, just squeezing the red juice out of him. But um, so the I love this. This was a great way to open the show. This was a great opening match. Uh, I came away thinking, all right, I don't know what else this show has, but literally if it ends here, I am a okay. Uh, right. it, it was it was the best match of the night for me. I I do feel like and it, and it gave it ample amount of time as well, which I appreciated. Yes. It could have been a quick TV match where you got straight to the point, you know, OC wins, but they, they told a story. So many near falls towards the end as well. You didn't know who's gonna win at one point. You're like, wait, is Wheeler gonna pull it off? And then after that, you know, Orange Cassidy, he gave one of the best uh, a modified version, as Jay would call it, of, a, of an orange punch where uh, Yuto's in the kneeling position. It almost looked like a Tito Santana flying burrito forearm to the face. I, I just love that, uh, you know, <laughs> connection. Uh, Orion Ben 666 says, um, this OC <laughs> did, did the gum spot better than Caden. Uh, that's great stuff. I forgot about uh, that. Th- th- there's another thing on this show that I'm loving... Uh, some of the new camera direction that they're doing now with, uh, w- especially when they have better attendance. Um, with this show being one of the better attended shows of the year, with them having the lower bowl pretty much entirely full, one of the things I like that they do is they kind of shoot the hard camera at a bit of an upward angle. And so you're seeing a lot more of the crowd. It looks like this kind of huge sea of people when they mm. shoot at that upward angle. So you're not seeing the backs of the front row anymore. Um, but what you are seeing is just people and they're lighting them with white lighting. So it is seeming like you can see the people in a way that you couldn't um, necessarily before. Now, obviously when they don't have good attendance, don't do that, do the opposite and shoot kind of at a downward angle, capture more of the ring and get less of the, uh, the empty seats if there are, but this was one of the better attended shows. There was no reason to, to not show this out the way it looked. Great I stuff. miss the I miss the old lighting though the initial lighting they had like you know better than I you know when they changed the, the lighting because how Pretty much when the they came back year. on the road um yeah, yeah it was when they went back on the road it, everything kind of had a little bit more of a purplish hue uh <sighs> to it and so I, I watched I watched one episode like going back on the first year and I'm like I like the look of, I don't know there's something about that look it, the, mm-hmm. the 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 company's been around for four years I'm already getting nostalgic. <laughs> 
Right. I'm like, well, oh. Honestly, though, you know what, though? I, I always look at it relative, right? Because if we're in 2023, yeah. if you think about the company starting in 2019, I mean, think about the difference between, like, 1999 Raw and 2003 Raw. Like, those are two mm. entirely different shows, right? So, like, you're allowed to feel nostalgic at this point when in if you were talking in 2003, you were feeling a little nostalgic for... I mean, maybe I, I hate 99 as a WWF year, but um, I think that, but there was places to feel nostalgic, right? Like people were already clamoring for, man, I miss DX. I would love to see a DX reunion kind of thing. Like we were seeing that at that point. So I think honestly, we are at a point where you can start doing a little bit of AEW nostalgia. Uh, yeah. I, I'm almost curious what that looks like today. Like if I think about, it's tough, right? Because a lot of stuff is still kind of lingered on. I'm thinking about like first year AEW. Like, what would you do? An inner circle reunion? No, that like SCU. SCU is a big one. That's one that they could easily hit back. Of course, you don't have Kaz anymore. They can borrow him. I mean, come on. It's impact. Come on. Yes. Yeah, that's true. So there are ways to get there. But the the next segment we saw. Uh, we had um, actually kind of a cool backstage segment. Evil Uno was being um, interviewed. It was Hangman Adam Page, Evil Uno, and Renee Paquette. And Evil Uno basically explained, you know, he's heard loud and clear. Hangman Adam Page doesn't want their help. And uh, But, you know, you talking about how you don't have friends tells me that you, you're the one who hasn't been paying attention. You're the one who hasn't been listening. And the Dark Order is going to stand up for itself. But that means I don't want you interfering in this match. That relationship, okay, well, you usually have a post on this, you you and Phil, when you guys talk about things like this. What is, it's been obvious, and now they're saying it, Hangman doesn't really feel Dark Order like that. It's, it's almost like he's reverted, because after everything they've been through with, with Hangman's journey to getting the title, not believing in himself, having mm-hmm. friends, and then overcoming the insecurity, embracing those new friends, it's kind of like he's taking a few steps backwards. Yeah, I, I mean... That is because it does feel like, you know, that we talked a few weeks ago about uh, Hangman, you know, dropping the hint that he's got to mend some fences because, you know, in it kind of working backwards, it does feel like at some point he has to end up back with the elite. It's just a matter of when. Um, when and- for real contract <laughs> negotiations and all that BS, you know. No, I'm talking about Kenny Omega. And no, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, what I just saw in the chat. Um, but we'll get to dynamite ratings in a little bit. Oh. But I am curious about that because uh, that's going to create a really interesting Twitter day. Uh, but the next segment we saw, uh, we are introduced to Ricky Starks. Uh, <laughs> this was a great segment, but there was a lot of things in here that popped me even more. So Ricky Starks. Gets in the ring and says that he has been trying to get his rematch with Chris Jericho. And uh, he hasn't uh, gotten a response from Jericho, so he's moving on. The crowd pops for that. A- <laughs> <laughs> I was too. They got me. They got me. I was like, oh, this is great. This is great. Look, oh. I, there, there was a piece of me that was even seeing this going, okay. Like, trying to sell myself on the idea of, all right, you know, make no sense, but... Whatever, I can live with this. 
I loved it. I was like, yes, please. <laughs> the crowd popping, though, from Ricky Stark saying he's moving on from Chris Jericho told oh, me a lot of what Jericho. I needed to know. And uh, so then Jericho's music hits, and I'm like, okay, I knew it. Um, but I like this segment. I liked it because it reminded me a lot of early Chris Jericho. As a matter of fact, most of this bit was recycled from the Scorpio Sky segment uh, where from after Full Gear, where uh, it was two weeks after Full Gear 2019, where Jericho had, of course, gotten suckered into giving Scorpio Sky a match for the title. Uh, this This was a lot of that, like, Bugs Bunny Daffy bit and Chris Jericho egg on his face kind of bit. I'm actually still a fan of that, and I like that a lot. And, uh, you know, of course, Chris Jericho says, you know, good luck with your open challenge. I'm not accepting it. And then Peter Avalon's music hits. Got a hat caught, new tights. I don't know. I don't watch Dark. So you, you might oh, I was gonna, I, no, I'm telling you, as somebody who watches Dark, when I heard that music, and it's music you don't hear on Dynamite often, it, but I hear it on Dark all the time, it actually popped me. It actually got me like, whoa, whoa. this is great. Uh, and pretty Peter Avalon um, makes his way out, and Chris Jericho hits him with the Judas effect, and then he gets back in the ring, or Chris Jericho gets in the ring. He... he uh, pull, uh, he tells uh, Ricky that he'll accept the match. Ricky then suckers him into agreeing to not have the JAS at ringside, to leave them in the back. Jericho agrees to it, uh, and then he says, I don't have a pin. Ricky hands him a pin. Chris holds it up, and he baits the crowd. The crowd, the longer he holds it, the more the crowd gives up. Oh, and then he clicks it and they pop. Because they remember that they, the fans' favorite version of Chris Jericho, allegedly. What I like was, I don't have a pen. And then Ricky goes, damn, I do. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky great was great delivery. here too. Yeah. I thought everybody was great here. Honestly, this was one of those like sports entertainment segments that by the end of it, I was in. I, I was sold on this match by the end. Here's the thing. Um, I got what they were going for, and I thought it was stupid, and I laughed internally. Jericho. <laughs> so so I, the thing is, what I don't understand is, yeah, was it a plan by Ricky? Was Ricky being genuine? He was like, you know what? I lost. Fair enough. I lost. I'm going to move on. But Jericho's ego was like, no, 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 no. I love how you be pursuing me. It's kind of like, hey, 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 come on, girl. Come on, girl. You listen, listen, listen. That's what it was. Yeah, oh, sorry, let me, let me let me change the gender. A woman, a guy's been chasing. It's like Roger and sister, sister. The moment uh -huh. Roger start following the sisters, hey, where, where, where did Roger go? Roger's got a new crush? That's what it felt like when Pierre Avalon came out. That's when Jericho <laughs> goes, I gotta stop messing around. I need to, you know what? Because when he said revolution, he's like, wait, who am I gonna wrestle at revolution? I think when Jericho, that's what Jericho thought as well. He's like, I spent all these weeks, this whole months, terrorizing this guy, and I might not get on pay-per-view. You know what? F it. Put me on the show. I'll wrestle you. Sure, I'll do it. I just yes. love it. Play to his ego. And I was like, I get it. But it's stupid, but I got it. I got it. I, li I liked it. And honestly, this great way, like, in the feud here. End it. Revolution. Give them their match. One-on-one. -on -one. That's it. It's over. 
Uh, Patchy Rick says, when Starks first announced the open challenge, I was hoping Action Andretti would answer the whole proving myself kind of story. But of course, no one can leave the Jericho Vortex on their own. Um, but look, this has been one of the shorter Jericho Vortexes. If Are you sure, though? I, I don't I mean, know. It, it, is Jericho going to win? Um, I hope not, because as I've said, Jericho has a streak they can keep alive as long as Jericho wrestles in AEW. And that is the fact that that man has never won at Revolution. I would love to see that be the thing he can't conquer. That the first Revolution lost to Moxley. Second Revolution lost to the Young Bucks. Third Revolution last year lost to Eddie Kingston. This year, if he loses to Ricky Starks, it needs to be the the story of Revolution. Chris Jericho just can't seem. He's won at every other pay-per-view, but he can't seem to win at Revolution. It's the you one got, You're going to the show. Are you you're going to the yes. show? Uh-huh. I know you don't want to waste your one question. It would be great yeah. if you did bring it up. If you did lose and you just make it a thing. So, <laughs> you know what Jericho's like? Jericho would be like, just do a meter, like do a Revolution's meter or something like that. That might be <laughs> right. something that, you know, the losing streak. Kind of like the Undertaker. I could see Jericho probably like, let's make it a thing. Like, I always lose this and kind of conquer it this year. And I lose. And I kind of yeah, honestly, because I think uh, I said a few weeks ago, what I would love to see is Jericho get beaten. And there'd be like a revolution graphic like Undertaker at WrestleMania, and it comes up on the screen, oh and four, oh and five. And Chris Jericho just revolution just seems to be the event that uh that he can't seem to get past. That'll be great. Let's 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 do that. Let's make that a thing. So then we had a quick little tag team match. It was Lee Moriarty, Big Bill Morrissey. Um, of course, I've been pushing for Big Bill Morrissey. They said it once on yes. the uh, the AEW All Access, uh, not All Access, uh, Unrestricted Podcast, which, by the way, has a new theme song by Rick Ross. Uh, and <laughs> I, have you heard this? The, no, no, I haven't. I haven't Unrestricted in, in a couple of years. It's been a while since I listened yeah, to the they, podcast. They have a new theme song, AEW Unrestricted Does, by Rick Ross. Um, it's literally just him going, huh. I must say, huh. He's a, yeah, <laughs> uh, it just starts with, huh, Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, unrestricted. Like, that's it. It, it, it literally, they probably just call it. How much they pay for that feature? How much I they know, pay for that feature? I, I, I imagine it was literally just, hey, while he's walking by backstage, can we just get you like 10 seconds? Just come in this booth real quick. All right. All you need to say is, in very Rick, Rock, Rick Ross fashion, just say, unrestricted, Aubrey Edwards, Tony Schiavone, we're good. And just big motherfucker. <laughs> this is a big motherfucking podcast. <laughs> and that's it. But no, if, uh, for those of you who haven't heard Unrestricted lately, their 2023 theme song is actually done by Rick Ross. Um, nice. And it's so good. Like, honestly, it's, it's perfect. Uh, but yeah, we had Lee Moriarty, Big Bill Morrissey versus The Acclaimed. Uh, this wasn't very long. This was more so just to get the acclaimed, kind of a, a solid victory going into um, Revolution and beating a couple of uh, guys from The Firm. Ah, oh, The Firm. <laughs> what could have been? On could paper, have been? On paper, it seemed like a, a, a decent idea, right? A group for MJF to have why he becomes champion to rule the roost. Because a part of me, when we get down to it and speak more about MJF, I do feel like he's missing a valet, a heat, a group, something to bounce off because he looks too solo, too naked at the moment. But we'll get to that in a moment. The firm should be treated better. 
Big Bill showed traces of the charisma he showed in WWE when he was doing the scissoring thing. I just laughed the whole way through. I'm like, uh-huh. come on, that's Bill. It's kind of like if Kevin Nash, you had Kevin Nash and you told him, just don't show charisma, just be a stereotypical giant. Just let Bill be Bill. I feel like he's playing a role. Lee Moriarty is too talented to what they're doing with him at the moment. Heck, he had new hair color, it's new swagger, and then he's reverted back to his old hair color because they're not doing much. It's kind of like the Ali effect on Monday Night Raw. New look, yeah. where you're like, if they're not pushing me, why the heck did I invest time in a new look? Because I'm not going nowhere. Right. The firm needs to do more. I feel like they're underutilized. I feel like there's no direction where it makes sense. Just put them with MJF. They'll be part of the main event storyline. They'll be heavy hitters. They'll be part of the main event scene. At the moment, it's like they, there's just too many fragmented pieces and, and it just doesn't make sense. That's my two cents on that. <sighs> uh, there's not much to talk about match-wise. Christian Cage is about to be interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He's jumped by Jungle Boy, but Jungle Boy can't uh, work up the, the guts to hit him with a concerto. And Christian hits him with a low blow and then hits him with the chair. Busts him open. That's another match probably being added to Revolution. I love the how Edge and Christian, they're in the same kind of soliloquial, um, you know, situation. I've got a long-term feud. I've got a long-term feud too. I've got Judgment Day. I've got Jungle Boy. But the only difference is I feel like Christian brings the best out of Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I feel like that's when he developed the gritty side that he has. And then they've got mm-hmm. a story to tell. I don't mind it. The only issue was Christian was injured at the time. When he beat Luchasaurus, it should have led straight away to a match with Christian. But they had to wait for a little while. So I don't mind him finishing off a storyline to graduate Jungle Boy from being a Jungle Boy into being a Jungle Man. Yes. Uh, and honestly, Luchasaurus was injured in that match, too. So, like, um, I, I always appreciate Luchasaurus sticking around for that. And before he had his surgery, he worked a cage match with Jungle Boy injured to make sure that they at least got some kind of payoff to that. Great uh, match, too. Shottown Spurs says, I feel like I do the Super Chat every other week, but Stokely Hathaway. Every time he's on the screen, he's doing something that pops me. You can't pin a Liberator. Or you can pin a Liberator, but you can't pin a Liberation. Um, which is, is so great. Now, honestly, I think Stokely is more and more and more popping me every week. We then had... kind of They've been experimenting a little bit with the uh, where the women's match ends up. Um, because the... It's usually in that 9.30 time slot, or it had been, but the last month or so, it's been various places. It has been in the, It was in the main event last week. They've been kind of top of the hour before. This week, mm. they were up just before the top of the hour. This was Soraya versus Sky Blue. Uh, if you know anything about Sky Blue, this was a big deal for her um, because she's super young and grew up with Soraya, uh, which makes Steve me feel super old. Oh, yeah, which makes <laughs> me feel super old. Uh, and I'm 33. I'm new. I'm newly minted 33. Just turned 33 last Sunday, so I know what you, how you feel, man. It's <laughs> <Right. laughs> so. But Soraya versus Sky Blue, uh, and this was a short affair. But I thought Sky Blue got to still look like a million bucks in there um, against Soraya. I thought she looked better than Soraya. Uh, but I think this was also Soraya's better showing. I think Soraya looked. Soraya, we need. To yeah, talk about I know Soraya. we do. I think though <laughs> she looked better here than she did at Full Gear. Um, in a single showing. And I think she needed a competitor like Sky Blue to bring a little bit more out of her and what she's going to do in the ring. I don't think Britt was the right competitor for her. I mean, I think Britt was the right one in the sense of being 
the, the marquee match in terms yeah, of the being the marquee match, match and being the, a foundational piece of AEW. But in terms yeah. of being the right opponent, I think somebody like Sky Blue works better for Soraya than anybody else does. Like I would like to see Soraya versus like Riho. Um, I think that's somebody who could bring it, something out of Soraya. Nah, listen. Uh, a part of me is asking. Do I have Mandela effect? I swear she was a good worker. You know the ones. I, 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 her match with Emma, I'm like, she can do stuff. Is it a case that she needs to go to the Nightmare Factory or Jay Leaf was resting school and have some seasoning? Is it like the ring rust? She needs to knock it on its head because I, I feel like, like a lot of people been saying, she's a few steps behind <laughs> all the other women. I mean, she did pave the way. Um, Listen, she did, two, is... she did two moves. She did whatever that was, that, that move, that miscommunication. She did some sort of cradle, suplex, mm-hmm. whatever that was, and then the, the scorpion cross lock to get the victory. That's on, only two moves she did. She did a couple of rest holds, a couple of you know, leg scissors, and that's, that's, that's what I saw in the match. I, I'm rooting for Soraya. Don't get it twisted. No, I'm no, no. People... I, I, I'll say what mm. I feel Soraya's yeah. wrestling comes off like. It feels very Divas era. Um, and it's weird to me because she's very, she was on the cusp of the Divas era, right? She was like, yeah. right toward the end of it where we started to see the, the women's evolution in WWE. And we saw the influx of Charlotte and Sasha and Becky. Um, mm-hmm. but she felt like a bridge between those eras. And when I see her wrestle today, it feels a lot more like you saw the Divas wrestle and, yeah, uh, Redman in the chat says the anti diva has become the diva. Um, <laughs> a little bit. May, because I feel like Tony did more wrestling moves on the outside. She <laughs> did. The, the the, the, that was a big thing to me, was I felt like, again, Soraya was working around Sky Blue, but then when we see Tony in, out there, when she hits that snap suplex on Sky Blue, I was like, oh, that was clean. That was so nice. And then we go back to kind of moving in slow motion. Um, and I don't even think the match was bad, but it was just like, it's moving in slow-mo. Listen, um, you, you hyped it up. You say Sky Blue's like the litmus test. She's like the Sean Walkman of like, if you can't have a great match with Sky Blue, someone yeah. needs to go back to the PC or the Nightmare Factory mm-hmm. and get some seasoning. Because honestly, Sky Blue, you know, she gave uh, Jade one of her best matches just a few weeks ago. So, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, but my segment of the night, I very, 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 very much liked this Brian Danielson MJF confrontation here. I thought that. Uh, so, we'll start with Brian. Brian makes his way down to the ring. And the crowd is just super hot to see him. And you can see the look on Brian's face, just him all smiles, hearing the yes chants uh, that he can't go along with. But mm. he's never going to do As he said, I'm not going to discourage them. But I also can't, like, do the thing. So, therefore, <laughs> I'm just going to let people do it and enjoy. So, Brian... Uh, he says, it sounds to me like you guys want me to win the AEW World Championship. Crowd hits those yes chants. Uh, and he talks about how MJF hates me. And then he starts listing all these things that MJF did, but he hates me. Again, great logic here from Brian Danielson. I love that. Uh, and he then is interrupted by one MJF. Yeah. MJF, again, 
bringing some real life things into to it. Talks about the breakup of him and his fiance. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was not a great. I mean, so the thing was, I thought this was great content. Uh, mm. But of course, that's one of those ones as Sean noted on Twitter that Sean doesn't like to report that kind of stuff when he knows about it. Um, that's some of the stuff we kind of stay away from because even if it comes out there and it's out there, we try to stay away from that kind of stuff because that's not relevant to professional it's not wrestling. wrestling. Based. Yeah. It's not wrestling based. And so therefore, uh, regardless of whether or not we knew that's not something we would report. But now that it's out there, obviously it's willing to be said that yes, that, that's the thing that happened. So of course, watching this though, and hearing the crowd chant, you deserve it. And I'm like, oh, they don't know he's being genuine here. <laughs> Listen, this is this is the listen, a guy once said, you know, working yourself into a shoot, brother. Like it's quite hard to undo it because MJF is known for blurring the lines. So you, you people could be reporting, hey, did you hear this guy once broke up with his girlfriend because you know, you know, she did something, and then the whole car accident promo that he did a few weeks ago. So it's quite hard. He blurs the line too much. He blurs the lines. Yeah, he does. Uh, but that's that. I had to block him on Twitter because I'm like, I'm tired of him working himself into a shoot. I'm like, I like the character, but then I realized I don't want to follow the character on Twitter or in real life. I just, I just can't. I need, yeah. I, it's just too much. Is that Borat? Is that, come on, dude, relax. You're not out. Can you just be out of character for me? It's just, it's just too much. <laughs> I'm not in the 80s. People say, kayfabe, listen, that's, that's well past before my time. I'm, I'm the 90s, baby. I like how things is real. Like, you can take off your hat. You take off your makeup and your outfit, and then you just chill. Yeah, I just, it's not for me. Kayfabe. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, um, it, I, the lines being blurred, I think, ultimately give the fans um, a good reason to get into it because they don't know what's real and what isn't. And so that stuff is, is fine. Um, but I really like this. I thought they sold me a ticket here. I thought that MJF talking about what makes what drives him and the fact that you know everybody else has walked away from him everybody else has left him uh including the woman he thought he was going to spend the rest of his life with and make a family with and so therefore he is simply going for the uh the only thing that matters to him is holding on to the aew world championship because that's the one thing he can guarantee um he can control not leaving him if he can beat Brian Danielson. And then, you know, he talked about uh, Brian being selfish, Brian uh, doing this in a time where he should be at home with his family, with his kids. And this is all MJF has. Whereas Brian has all those things. Brian has a, a wife at home. Brian has kids at home. Uh, and then he mentions them by name, which of course stirs it up in Brian a little bit. Uh, and he talks directly into the camera, talking oh, to Brian's kids. Brian tells him, don't do it. Mm. And then uh, he's about to tell Brian um, that if he gets in the ring with MJF, he promises him early on onset CTE. And before CTE, he can finish yeah. it, Brian jumps him. They brawl huge. Uh, and... Oh shit! I I felt like I've been wanting to see this match anyway, just because it sounds great. Iron Man match, Brian Danielson, MJF, but this segment I think sold me a ticket. What did you think? See, 
this is the MJF that I love and enjoy. But unfortunately, I guess that's what that's what we love as well. So sometimes when he does the low-hanging fruit, it's his way to stop us from cheering for him. But I love when he's like this. I love when he's realistic. I love when he's gritty. And then next week, he'll go back to being juvenile and this. I know there's meant to be layers. I, I refer it to as like Triple H's first title reign. And he's trying to be serious. And then next week we do, are you ready? Suck it, show me your boobs. It's kind of like, no, like, who are you? (laughs) you, That's how I feel with MJF. I never Uh know which MJF I'm getting. It's kind of like characters have to evolve. How he used to be like the cocky, arrogant, young jerk, because now he's getting a bit older. He's now like 25, 26, whatever the age he is now. You evolve. I like this. This should be the MJF we see from now on. Him ultra serious, ultra gritty. Yay, from time to time, he can still you know throw quippy lines you know just to show some variety but i love it i love this for me is money this for me if his title reign for the rest of the duration he has the titles like this it would be a legendary title reign it's just it's better than him stealing people's phones chucking drinks in people's faces and all that kind of stuff i'm like people love that but i'm like ah, this for me is money for you that's not the ticket did last week sell your ticket you're like oh yeah I'm like oh that's great yeah sure he'll work blah blah but this week I'm, I'm with you, man. Give me the Ironman match. Give me 60 seconds or 60 minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I liked it. It's just the character presentation for me I find confusing because I want him to continue being this guy. I don't know who he is from week to week because he switches it up a bit too much in terms of who he wants to be. But I love this version of MJF. Uh, I agree. Um, no, I agree with that, uh, especially the Hunter comparison because, yeah, they they... They definitely ran into a little bit of that issue in more so his what reign was that his second title reign i think had that issue more than anything else because in his second title reign that was where he reunited with dx and like uh on one end he's coming out doing the suck it and uh talking about we're the coolest guys in the room and then he's like but also i'm dead serious <laughs> yeah and i also feel like mjf needs a manager he needs someone he needs a heater he needs someone that he, he can bully from week to week that's why i feel like the firm should have stayed with him or stokely like he's missing a group a piece i feel like that's the same reason why again i'm gonna go back to triple h that's the reason why they gave him a group for his title reign yeah i will be right back by the way i i meant to toss my wife the keys to put him at the bottom of the stairs and they landed in a crate so oh. she's not gonna find those give okay. me two seconds keep talking oh. Oh, oh, I'm going to talk. Guys, we're back on day after Dynamite. you got Sat E. He's the guy that's going to be controlling the space for you guys. Uh, pull in the comments. Let me know what you thought about Dynamite. Did you like the show? What was your favorite match? So put it in the chat. I'm going to be responding to some. I'm actually looking right now. But yeah, like I was saying, until, you know, Will gets back, I feel like MJF and The Firm needs to get back together. The Firm's not really doing much. They're not you know, put in any storylines at the moment. If you put them back together, MJF will sit, feel like an even bigger threat with the firm watching his back and, you know, potentially having the firm with MJF versus Blackpool Combat Club. That could be a match. Or you could have MJF and the firm take on a hangman page and the Dark Order, you know? Give, you know, tell me some stuff. This, this sounds like a great idea, right? Hi. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pitching matches where MJF and the firm can face Blackpool Combat Club or Hangman in the Dark Order. I was just waffling along until you came back. So, yeah, hello. All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was like, uh, so my wife had asked me if she needs to, to pick up our son from school. I texted her yes. And then she was like, can you toss the keys to the bottom of the stairs? 
And so I throw the key, and it's supposed to land at the bottom of the stairs, but it, like, bounces and oh. lands in a place where she would have never found it. And I thought, okay. Unless right. you will. Do you need time? Do you need time to breathe? I don't want you to be talking when you should be breathing. Do you need to take a deep breath? I'm all right. Usa. Usa. Some ASMR for people listening. Usa. Usa. Um, let's see. Uh, Anime Otaku says, Sky doing AJ Lee's finish was cool. Also, get Moriarty into the pure title picture. Um, he'd be amazing as champ. Look at the match with Darius Lockhart. I agree. I, I'm really interested in what these Ring of Honor tapings look like this week. Um, I will be one reading the spoilers because uh, ultimately, I'm not one who's bothered by spoilers. I know there's a lot Same. of people who are like, don't spoil content for me. But to me, I'm like, uh, I like to know... It encourages me to watch, honestly. When I see stuff that I'm intrigued by, I I want to get into it. I can't wait to see what's happening on these tapings, and I will watch. Uh, the tapings are, it's hard to believe, but day after tomorrow, Ring of Honor is officially back and will be taping a month of shows. Uh, they're going to tape the entire build-up to Supercard of Honor day after tomorrow. Exciting times ahead. Yes. A new era of RH, if you will. A whole new era. Uh, I'm curious to see who's on it because there's a lot of people asking things about, like, where's this person? Where's this person? Um, mm. Like, you mentioned Claudio, for example, and can he afford to lose to somebody like an Orange Cassidy right now? Depends on what they end up taping for him this week because uh, he's got to build up a match for Supercard of Honor, which I'm pretty sure is going to be Roosh. Uh, and. If they do that, I think that it would actually be a really good main event for that show. But we'll see. Trust the process. 34 says, serious cutthroat MJF is a generational talent. The corny juvenile MJF is cringe. I, I'm with you on that. We're all being, you know, practical, but I'm, I'm with you now. I, I like evolution of, of a character. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, if Randy Orton was still a cocky, arrogant evolution guy and then didn't evolve into the Viper. Yeah. Class Thoreau says the Iron Man match could give MJF the space to subtly slide between his heel face, gritty, silly sides over the course of the hour. And Van Twinblade says, put MJF in the ring with Effie. He's going to get smooched. Give me that GCW money, baby. And yeah, I'd, like I said, this, this segment though, just sold me on the match. I was, I am ready to see these two go at it. Um, and I genuinely don't know. Like, on one end, I'm like, okay, MJF's going to have a long title reign. Then on the other end, I'm like, where will he? Uh, I, I could make the case for putting the belt on Brian at this juncture, even for a little bit, even if you trade it back and forth. I, and I want to see Brian with the championship. I, I'm with you. Weirdly enough, I, throughout the whole uh, rivalry thought that the whole point of feuding with Brian Danielson was to make MJF. MJF needs that moment where he feels like a credible champion, if that makes sense. It's, again, I'm going to use Triple H for the whole evening. <laughs> Triple H had Cactus Jack Royal Rumble match to give him that credential as a champion because before that, no one believed he can hang with the main eventers. So he needs that. But at the same time, Triple H's first title reign didn't last that long. 
and his no. second title <laughs> reign was a bit longer. So it could. But be his the second case. title reign was even that long. His ti- second title yeah. reign was because the Cactus Jack match happened in his third. Uh, so well, that was. That's what I was thinking. Wow, wow. The title got traded a lot. Vince that title got. That yeah, Vince, Vince beat him. Vince tr- beat him, and then Big Show beat him. And oh, so gosh. Hunter had his third title reign. His third title reign is the one that everybody talks about. That's the one where he was on top. He had Stephanie, all of that. But like the first two ti- the first title reign was weird because it was like he only had it two weeks, and uh, he had China by his side. And then they were like, "Let's do a second one," but he's going to be by himself. Then they yeah. reunited him with DX, and then he loses the belt. And it's like, okay, now he's got Stephanie. Let's try a third time. And mm. the third time he had it DX hit, hit, and Stephanie, and that was the one that hit. And so. Uh, at the same time, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. As a, as a Brian fan, I will be in that crowd. Front row, by the way. Uh, basically Look screaming at this my, guy. Look at this guy. Look at screaming this guy. my head off over whether or not Brian... I, I will be cheering Brian on, basically. I will be there. I want uh, Brian to win as well. But, uh, yeah. For me, I want Brian to win if it does lead back to MJF winning it back. Because I do feel like he needs a a run with the title. Because we've been we, that's what we've been building up to. It's kind of like when you watch a, a plot of a film, you're like, this is where he's destined to be a a heel champion that dominates for a yes. while. So yeah, but at the same time, Brian Danielson, how long do we have him? Yeah, exactly. So I think he has to get a reign at some point, and I feel like this is the one. Um, and uh, Redmond, I have not heard anything. I can ask around. Um, probably just ask him. Um, but I don't know what I'd be told. Uh, but either way, I will I will ask around. Um, and we got the Tag Team Battle Royal. Now, I've always said the, my favorite all-time Tag Team Battle Royal is the, of like, all-time. Came from 14. No, I was going to say came, came from <laughs> AEW. I know, I know. Uh, I was kidding. Uh, so legit, my all-time favorite Tag Team Battle Royal was... The Revolution number one contenders won, leading into Revolution 2020, the one that the Young Bucks won. So I always have a fondness for this battle royal when they go into it. And I've yet to feel like they've come close to that one again, uh, because that they just told a really great story of uh, it was, of course, Santana and Ortiz systematically eliminating half of every team and leaving every team with just one member, but they were the only ones that had two members by the end. And it was all of these baby faces having to like valiantly come together and like Matt Jackson and Trent having to to team up and do like half best friends offense, half young bucks offense. That stuff was great to me. Uh, This here, um, it was still best friend story actually throughout this, but course the teams in it were jeff jared and jay lethal we had top flight we had best friends the most popular team in the match that i think maybe aw didn't even think it was going to be was the lucha bros um we also had (laughs) we had lucha bros yeah exactly but like the crowd was chanting set omieto over the jamie hater promo that they had to turn the crowd off because they were (laughs) making their way down and you hear jamie hater trying to talk backstage and all you're hearing is Seto Mieto over it. Uh, but then we also had uh, 2.0 was in there. Tony Nese and Ari Davari. Uh, Ozzy Open was in there. Ozzy uh, Open. Is- underrated. Listen, one of the most underrated tag teams. I mean, what's going on? New Japan signed them, for goodness sake. 
Yeah, or Tony signed them. Look, you've got them right there. Like, yeah. Oh, you're... Tony. Yeah, I appreciate Tony bringing them over. I mean, those guys are too talented not to be signed anywhere. Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, th- throw a uh, uh, throw a contract in the lap right now. Um, you also had uh, uh, Preston Vance and Roosh were in there, uh, and of course um, Johnny John Silver and Alex Reynolds were in there. Uh, this was it started as standard. Battle Royal affair, as Denise Salcedo likes to say, Battle Royals are trash um, until you get down to who matters. Um, and that Do you believe that, though? I think that the hard thing about Battle Royals is when you have everybody in there at once. That's what made the Royal Rumble so appealing, right, was that you have the same type of rules, but you're at least trickling people in. And mm. so you can give the viewer time to adjust, whereas in a Battle Royal where you're just like, hey, here's all these people, and it doesn't really make any sense to you as a viewer until it starts to narrow down to who matters. And that's that's true. I don't hate them as much as Denise hates them in the sense of, get it, like, it, it's complete trash, but I get why she feels that way. Uh, once we start kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty, though, I actually thought this was exciting and fun. I had already had it spoiled for me that... Uh, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. The way it was spoiled for me was that, uh, of course, Fightful publishes the run sheets for um, AEW Dynamite. But the one thing that we, the run sheets don't say is winners and losers. Right. Uh, But the thing that they do say is who's involved in every segment. And so it was very easy to look at the run sheet, seeing Tag Team Battle Royal, and then the next segment seeing... Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal backstage segment, and my brain going, oh, well, I mean, that means one of two things. Mm. Uh, so um, that kind of told me how they were going to get there, or that they were going to get there, but I didn't know how. What did you think of this Battle royal set? So I've, I've liked it when it was fast-paced, you know, teams are getting eliminated, and I do feel like best friends have now become the bridesmaids, never the bride in this kind of situation especially right now i wrote in my notes that we're not in this period in the tag division where it doesn't have as much focus as it used to so now is the time where you put in random tag teams to win titles best friends there's never been a better time for them to win the title than around this time you know until ftr comes back and that changes plans whatever but they could have won you could put what are you doing with best friends i mean Paul Trent Beretta, who got sold in the dream. Hey, leave New Japan. Come to AEW. You're going to get a great opportunity. And then it's like injuries and so forth. There have been reasons why best friends have never reached the mountaintop. And then now would have been a great time. Uh, I am a fan of Triple J. Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I, I love the group. I'm not a hater. Mid-card Jeff Jarrett is the best Jeff Jarrett. I grew up on Jeff Jarrett being a mid-carder. That's when he was not, it was least offensive. I didn't mind uh, chosen one Jeff Jarrett. I love slap nuts. Mm-hmm. So for me, him fighting for the tag titles doesn't hurt me. I can't believe Wait. you have chosen Jeff Jarrett. Why would you admit I, that? I, I, listen, I mean, I mean, listen maybe, the music, the guitar shot, the, the, the swag, the early 2000s. I mean, I, maybe I think it's just the fact that WCW as a whole was so bad that I, I associate. That the, <laughs> you blood? I, Are you kidding? I grew up. Wa- look, I wanted to love it. Are you kidding me? I was the person telling everybody within earshot. Hey, you see this new blood story? WCW is back, baby. Pendulum's going to swing back in their direction. I know WWF had it for a little bit, but it's all WCW, baby. They made me look so dumb. They made me look like a a complete idiot trying to sell that product to anybody. 
Because I would I would tell people, hey, go shout, go check it out. Go check out WCW. It's coming back, I promise. Then they go check it out and they come back to me the next day and go, what the fuck is this shit? No, this love is that any shit. Good. That, listen, <laughs> it hit with me. You know why? Because you go back to uh, you go back to 1999, January time of WCW. It was crap. Hogan on top, Hogan on top, and NW never got a full proper split. And then you got Vince Russo just chucking everything at the wall. I'd rather that than the boring crap I was having the last two years. It was just the same thing. Chosen one, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Him and TNA, there's portions of it I kind of liked. I was like, oh, Monty Brown should have been champion. But yeah, chosen one, Jarrett. Yeah, I like it. Cho -cho 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 chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> slap a roll. Choke on that slap nuts. Yes. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Look, I, I get it. But man, it just represents such a crummy time for me. Like, I think about. Booker T won the title. I mean, listen, Booker T I, I won. Booker T won the title, but also like David Flair feuding with Jeff Jarrett over who Stacy Keebler's baby's father is. That was listen, it's better than nothing. I listen. <laughs> I'm I am that guy where it's like I remember how things were. I'd rather this than go back to how it was, which was where Ric Flair's your president, and then then then, <laughs> then Nash's face. One week heel teaming up with Sid, even though he feuded with Sid, who stole his belt, you know. And then Rick, Rick Stein. Listen, there's so many things happening in that time period in '99. So when Sting went heel, I'm a fan of heel Sting, by the way. I'm one of those rare people who like Sting as a heel. I didn't mind him beating up Hogan, him and Lex Luger, brawling Hulk Hogan. Anyway, we're, we're running along, but I'm saying you, Jeff Jarrett as a mid carder is least offensive to me. And I love when Sanjay Dutt cuts a promo. He's like, he's gonna get an aneurysm with his pen. He's like. <laughs> I just love oh, no, I'm, I'm loving how energetic Sanchez is. No, it's great stuff. Um, and honestly, like I said, it in a way, it's bringing the two tag team feuds that were the most prominent out of uh, full gear to a four-way, assuming it is FTR next week. I hope it's FTR next week. Uh, I feel like when you do the casino tag match, so of course we have the tag, because they have the two battle royales. You have the traditional one that's just all the teams in at once, and then you have... The Casino Tag Royale, which is Royal Rumble rules. And I feel like it would be a mistake to not have a tag team people want to see in that be a surprise entrant. Um, right. Now, the just much like last year, you have a certain number of teams. One team is obviously gone, so you have to replace that team because one won. Uh, last year, it was uh, you had the Red Dragon one the match last year and then the following week you did the casino ladder match or casino tag match i should say casino tag royale and that was where top flight top flight returned that's right it was the return of darius martin it was the surprise entry in there so they have done that, surprise yeah. entry tag teams in here we've seen it before i would love to see who they bring in as a surprise entry but to me, I feel it makes the most sense. Just bring in FTR, have them win, and do the four-way. In a dream scenario, it would be great if Proud and Powerful came back, man. I miss that team. I know. Too. I, I've been watching the build-up to Revolution 2020 recently. I've watched, uh, I've watched four episodes of Dynamite leading up to that show. Um, that is still AEW's best build-up period ever. And... Proud and Powerful was a really important part of that entire build. Uh, it, they, they did a lot with those two, uh, and they made them feel important going into everything. Um, but finally, 
we had oh we saw a house of black segment they want the trios titles and they said we're going to hear more on rampage that was kind of the only build to rampage on the show and as i've said that's my beef with rampage as of late i feel like it needs to feel like an extension of dynamite i tweeted this yeah. earlier that i think you've got to do more out of dynamite to lead into rampage i think that that's i think it's good for the fans in the building because you watch WWE TV. You know nothing pops fans more than, why don't we do this tonight? Yeah. Crowd goes nuts, right? Yeah. Um, it's the same effect if you have a segment on Dynamite and then say, because everybody knows Rampage is taped that night. If you say, let's do this this Friday on Rampage and the crowd goes, yeah, because to them that's like, hey, we're going to see this in just like an hour. This is cool. Uh, and so I think you can do that kind of thing. And I think they should do more of that to, one, hook the fans into staying, but also hook Dynamite viewers. They had a million viewers this week. Think about how any one segment. Here's an example. If you were ever to do Christopher Daniels versus MJF, mm. Rampage would be the perfect place to do that, right? Um, a segment <clears throat> that you had as a major segment on a Dynamite. And now you want to pay it off? I would do it on Rampage. Uh, because now you're anybody who was interested in that, anybody who was hooked into that, can now be pulled in that direction to Friday. That's all it takes for me. And uh, I think you can do more. Because on its own, I think that this Rampage card looks great. I think seeing Aussie Open versus the Young Bucks, absolutely I want to watch that. Um, you're talking about Willow Nightingale versus Tony Storm. Absolutely I want to see that. Uh, and then Action Andretti versus uh, versus Sammy Guevara also sounds great, but I think they didn't do literally anything on Dynamite to make me feel like I should want to see any of this. Um, and I think that there's a way to get there, and I just think the show should string together a little bit better. But finally, in the main event, John Moxley versus Evil Uno. The evil one. That's How did you feel about this one? Uh, I. I like the fact that Evo Uno got some shine because a lot of people forget or may never know that Evo Uno is a credible wrestler, credible tag team wrestler from his PW, um, PWG stuff, Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I'm not used mm -hmm. to saying those letters. I like to say Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Gorilla. Um, I just wish he went a little bit longer showcasing because it, it, felt, it felt like a mini squash match in a way and I get what they're trying to, to achieve, but it almost undoes everything that evil uno is trying to prove he's trying to prove himself to hangman page prove himself to the audience prove himself to john moxley who's punking him out <laughs> like he's a little bitch and then he gets to the ring he, he does some few offenses you know he shows that you know that he's a big deal you, you hear excalibur you know bigging him up hey i used to wrestle with this guy this guy you don't want to mess with him he, he he hits hard and after a few yeah. offenses he gets his mask ripped bleeding his life squeeze. He goes squeeze There's a great a visual to mask guys bleeding, by the way. I fucking love that visual. He squeezed him like a carton of juice. Like a child's yes. juice. Just <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, like I thought like if I could find a gif of just like a berry being squeezed and yeah. like it just Yeah. Because especially as he has them in the choke, John Moxley not letting go of the choke, the crowd booing that. Um 
And then they accidentally played the Dark Order's new music for Hangman after the match was over, by oh, the way. So, oh, listen, I'm so happy you said that. Because I was thinking, did Hangman get a new song or did they miscue a song? Because I love Hangman's theme. And I was like, that, that doesn't go. I was like, no, no. no. That was actually supposed to be Evil Uno's new theme. Uh, and so they even posted it to the AEW music page that, hey, you heard it tonight. But, like, we didn't because uh, <laughs> that was Evil that was Evil Uno's new music, though. They accidentally played that when Hangman came out. And luckily, Hangman sprinted so fast that it didn't really matter. But a lot of people were like, whoa, what happened to Hangman's music? Nothing. It's fine. That was uh, new music for the Dark Order. But it was a quick match. Uh, it just barely passed the uh, the cage match threshold. Which, like, knowing Tony Khan is such a cage match aficionado... It wouldn't surprise me if he books certain matches um, for that threshold, which, of course, is that a cage match match can't be rated if it's under five minutes. And so, like, if you know a match isn't going to be any good, put it under five minutes, right? Like, you can't rate Soraya versus Sky Blue right now, right? That match might be sitting in the fours or even threes as far as the ratings out of ten on cage match. But the good news is, win under five minutes, no one's going to rate it. Um, and knowing how much Tony relies on cage match wouldn't surprise me if he thinks maybe just a little along those lines. Either way, that was Dynamite. But how did it do in the ratings? Uh, way up this week. So, last week, of course, was a, uh, was a seriously concerningly low show. But guess what? There was no NBA on this week. Uh, and with no basketball games on, that worked to Dynamite's advantage hugely. We saw Dynamite do uh, 1,028,000 viewers, and that was good for a .35 rating, which is one of its highest ratings in a while. Nice. Uh, that's its highest total viewership since October 5th, and uh, 18 to 49. Again, it came in number one. It was number one on cable. Power Slap was actually up 12%. So I think everything kind of benefits to uh, from not having the NBA on right now, I think. And NBA returns tonight. Um, Nuggets play the Cavaliers, by the way. But uh, I, I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Also, I think structurally, I think the show was switched up in a way that probably did better at retaining viewers than it has in the past. So... This is a good week for AEW. They can kind of hang their hats on this one, say that this was a show that did well for us, and it's up way up over last week. Yeah, I'm happy because I've been reading on, on Twitter people to, talking about AEW's demise. That's not going to happen, guys. It's one of the most successful companies in, what, nearly 20-plus years? And we're now in that era, like you're saying, that people realize wrestling content could be a bit cheaper in terms of how much is churned out. There's a lot of money to be made with wrestling. So mm-hmm. we need AEW. I love the fact we have an AEW. Wrestlers can negotiate better contracts and better work situations because you can just say, I'm going to leave and go to that company. So Yeah, and when there's more eyes on more wrestling, that's better for everyone. Exactly, because we grew up doing the Monday Night War. So when people say to me, like, you know, AEW, I love both of them. Yeah. I like both of 
no for me like that's the thing is i don't think um i'd like i get it it's it's kind of a younger people thing where they're like no it's wwe or nothing right like to me and when people are like hey you're an AEW shill i don't think people understand i'm gonna explain the AEW shill thing and why i will always root for the success of uh competitor brands i don't think people understand this about me i use an xbox I use a Pixel, a Google Pixel. There is a piece of me that lives off of the idea of supporting markets competition because in it, and I do it in a way where I feel like if, uh, if competitor brands are doing well, then the market as a whole does well because you've seen what happens when a market is dominated by simply one you've never seen a market think about i look at where i live for example we only in this area have one internet service provider one and the internet service is shit because when an internet because they know when they don't have competition they know that they can charge us outrageous prices and not provide the best service but the second a competitor came into the market I'm the first to sign up for them because I just want to see them do well enough to make the market improve. So when you hear me talk about, hey, AEW success is good, that's not me shilling for a company. That is me rooting for the success of professional wrestling because I know that, look, WWE does well, WWE does well. Yeah. But when the entire market, when others in the market are doing well, that's great for the workers in the industry, that's great for everybody in the industry. That's how I'll always feel. I, um, now I know somebody will say, well, how is Google Pixel? You know, you're still supporting a multi-billion dollar corporation buying from Google. But more so, it's about, I want there to be competition in the cell phone market. I don't want it to just be Samsung and Apple. And, uh, or, iPhone, yeah. yeah, or at one point it just being iPhone. Like, I, I commend anybody who just uses iPhone. I get it. But you recognize, and I know you recognize that if it were just Apple. Like, think about the ideas these guys have all stolen from each other. If mm. it was just one, think about how shitty the market would be for that. Like, I know that, like, PlayStation and Xbox fans go at each other, but you don't want Xbox to die. Because mm. at that point, what is the market with just PlayStation? Think about how much Xbox changed the online gaming market. What would be, what would online gaming on a console be without the Xbox? You wouldn't have PlayStation Network. And so, again, you should always be in support of the industry flourishing and everybody doing well. You don't want anybody to get knocked out of the industry because that's jobs lost, that's opportunity lost, and that's innovation lost. I want to see professional wrestling have all of those things. Preach. Amen. That was a gospel that was laid down. Like, yeah. So when anybody ever ask, we like wrestling. We like good wrestling. WWE dominated the market for 20 years. So you're right. You got a lot of fans that never knew what a competition is. They're like, it's the WWE way. Yeah, they're like, what yeah, is? they're like a competition. You mean Raw and SmackDown? Exactly, okay. <laughs> exactly. You're like, who's the general manager? That's competition, I guess. Yeah, owned by the same guy. No, this is true competition. This is what we grew up on. This is like, who's gonna jump ship? What ideas being stolen? The leak. Oh, ECW wrestlers getting stolen by Terry Taylor. <laughs> All that kind of stuff happening. Uh -huh. I like this. So when, so it makes me not not mad, but 
sometimes kind of perturbed. The other time kind of, it makes me laugh. I'm like, kids showing the age on Twitter. I'm like, you can like both things at the same time. You can like DC and Marvel. You don't have to choose. You can like everything. Why is it choosing? Why do people choose apartheid? Why do you want to keep things separate? <laughs> yeah, no, and honestly, I, I, I can say, I do feel like it's okay to choose your brand of wrestling. I fully believe in that because at the end of the day, you should, You, but that's how a market should compete. It should compete for you. It should compete to impress you and do the best thing for your attention. And you should give it to what you feel is doing right by you. And that's fine. I I want to see everything flourish. That's it to I'm, me. Um, no, and, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a consumer slut. I like everything. Give, me, <laughs> give, it, give it all to me. Give it all to me. Either way, that's why I will root for the success. Call it a shill, call it whatever you want, but I'm going to root for the success of the industry, bottom line. Um, anyway, Sat, make some plugs. Will. Uh, yes, I'm at Sat Next to. That's my Twitter account. I'm on WrestleTalk every Saturday. I do the news and I do the podcasting with the lovely Tempest. So yeah, check me out every Saturday. Check out Grap City on Saturdays too. Yes. You don't have to make that plug. I make that plug. Check out Grap City every Saturday at noon Eastern, 9 <laughs> Pacific on youtube.com slash Fightful. And we always ask the question, who listens to Grap City like the day after or on, on, on their phones? I, I do. I'm, I'm that guy. Listen, commute, three-hour podcast is like Godfather 1 and 2. I've got two days worth of content to get through. That's me. So whenever you ask that question, Sat is that guy. He listens to I appreciate you, you, Sat. I really do. My I once got in trouble with my partners. I did watch you guys on the Saturday. And she was like, how long is this podcast? I was like, bet, bet, bet. That's what you Americans say, bet. Got it. <laughs> I'm going to do it on the weekday. So I had to transfer it. So Because she saw how long it was. She was like, three hours? I was like, no, no, no. no. Boo, this is, this is content. You have to get along with it. <laughs> they got, no, got podcast voices. She hates podcast voices, whatever that means. <laughs> professional I, i'm voices. sorry no honestly i was uh i was talking to my friend about um about their partner and uh i i won't dog on their partner too much but i will just say <laughs> that you know i was asked what i thought and i said my problem is i approach everything like a podcaster because i've been doing this for 18 years and so i think of everything as content and so when I'm having a conversation with somebody and, you know, if I said, Sat, what did you think of that match? And you went, it's cool. <laughs> I'd be fucking pissed. Uh, but so, um, so I, I was like, <laughs> so uh, we were at this birthday party. It, it was for uh, their partner's birthday. And I was like, uh, I said, so how's your birthday going? And he just went, good. And of course, the podcaster in me is like, how good is it? Do you, do you tell me about how things are going, right? And I thought, okay, I have to stop looking at conversations as content. Um, because when I look at them as content, I'm getting very annoyed at the idea that I'm not getting any content here. This is a very annoying interview. That. And I'm like, I'm not interviewing this person. I, I have to that. stop. <laughs> so I get it. I do think like a podcaster sometimes in real life um and no, i love it never stop no no dude do you it's been working why change the formula or the ingredient don't change up man yes. and yeah uh, as a matter of fact today is a very interesting anniversary jr you said uh podcasting for 18 years wow yes i'm going to bring up the fact that when i started podcasting 
It was June 18th, 2005. I have not taken a week off of podcasting since June 18th, 2005. First, did a podcast about the WWE draft lottery where John Cena got drafted, and that was like the inspiration for me to start podcasting. Haven't taken a week off. I was 17 years and eight months when I did that. I was 15. And that was... 17 years and eight months ago, which means as of this podcast here, I've officially been doing this more of my life than I haven't. Well done, <laughs> well done. Listen, so, back then when there wasn't that much black people talking about wrestling, you were flying the flag. You were dissing Batista that he was a crap world champion back in the days. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, I regret that because I go back and... uh I appreciate Batista. I appreciate Batista a lot more. Like sometimes he had some slip ups, like um, what basketballs. Was it that, yeah, basketballs. The the weapons are not only welcome, they're allowed. It's like I think you got that backwards. I think it, it's allowed and not welcome. But anyway, either way, that was young me. There's a lot of old takes, and the hard part is that every podcast I've ever done is still online. I will never take anything down. I have some awful takes that old me does not agree with. I was listening to a podcast from, I think it was January of 2006. I was asked for my opinion on Undertaker. I had, it is not something I would say today. You can go and look it up yourself. But uh, either way. I love American Badass too, by the way. I just want to let you know, is this a safe place to say it? I love American Badass Undertaker, more Big Evil. I feel like 2002 Undertaker hit his strides, right? I love Big Evil. No, I'm a big fan. Big Evil Undertaker, like, honestly, him turning heel and... Uh, oh, when when he dropped the still steps on Taz, me and my brother was rewind that part. He just dropped the steps on Taz. Taz is prone body, and he just dropped it. And Jr., are you gonna kiss his ass? No. Do you think you're better than me? And Jr.'s face, huh? and <laughs> right? right. And then, that was such a great heel turn. Although that was the turn, I think that made WWE realize we have to stop playing music in turns because after that, they never played music in a heel turn after that night. Because think about Undertaker like shoving Jr's face into Vince's ass and then rolling, 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 <laughs> and like ever since then, they haven't played theme music in somebody's heel turn. Somebody who turns in silence, and that's mm. been the WWE rule ever since. Because like you think about Hunter turning on Sean later that year. He hits him with the pedigree. It doesn't just start going, it's all about the game. Like, now you let the silence soak in the moment. You let the crowd boo. And that's how you know a heel turn's been effective. Don't play music anymore. Taker was like the last one. Listen, big evil Taker, when he responded, when he found out he was getting drafted to Raw and he chucked his water bottle against the wall. There's so many great moments in that year alone. Because for years, people say Undertaker passes prime. The biker character's not working. For me, big evil Taker... Feud of Brock, 2003. Getting Dragon Hogan around on a motorcycle. Listen, they, listen, I can talk. That 2002 for me validated the character. Because it's kind of like saying, when, when did it work? 2002 and 2002, I agree. All right. Well, I could talk with Sat about old wrestling all day real. long. And maybe one mom. day we Let's will. Let's do mom. Let's do we'll mom. Do, we'll, we'll do mom. We'll do mark out moments, M-O-M. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that'll be down the road. But folks, thank you for being a part of Dad. Don't forget to check me out. I'll be on Grap City this Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, youtube.com slash Fightful. If you follow uh, Denise's channel, Denise Salcedo, uh, she and I are doing After the Week at a special time this week. So don't 
join us at our normal time because we'll be on way later. It's a evening episode uh, where we'll be on at 7 p.m. Eastern, which is 4 p.m. Pacific. You, and so check all that out. Outside of that, folks, that's it for this edition of Day After Dynamite. For Satini Yangi, I'm William R. Washington. We will see you next time. Have a great day. Peace. We're out of time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.